Victor Zepp, welcome to the podcast. I'm Robert from Machado Visuals, and today I'm deep within the hawk's nest, <laughs> courtesy of uh, Isma Hawk's studio garage. Um, I'm joined here by Danny and Jeremy. So most of everyone pretty much already knows you, but for those who don't, can you uh, just give yourself an intro um, and then maybe like a 30-second elevator pitch on what Isma Hawk's all about? Jay, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy Lee of uh, Ismahawk. I'm the cinematographer and head of production here. And yeah. What's going on? I'm Danny Shepard. I am uh, the creative director. Ooh, lavish <laughs> <Wow>. title. <laughs> wow. Uh, and uh, Ismahawk, we're a, uh, we're a group who uh, we like to make cool videos for YouTube. We make fan films, short action scenes, and... Uh, and Fun videos. We just want to try to make cool stuff to entertain people. Um, dope. So before we kind of dive into the world that is Ismahawk, uh, Jeremy, what kind of work do you do specifically kind of outside of, of that realm? I do a lot of freelancing cinematography work, uh, mainly just shooting other short films and music videos, more of that kind of thing. I shoot all the music videos in town, and Rob here shoots all the commercial stuff, <laughs> so and all the event life. Yeah, that's I do cool. a lot of events, a lot of doc work. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. I mean, this is the place to place to do that stuff. You know, yeah, Vegas. I others. mean, if anyone calls me with a a doc job or live event, I send them to you, and then anyone <laughs> with music versa, stuff, yeah, I don't want to touch <laughs> it. That's not me. Um, so, uh, what about you, Danny? Do you do any kind of a freelance stuff uh, outside of the the Ismahawk? Occasionally, uh, occasionally, I'll do a little bit of visual effects here and there, and. Uh, help out with some and acting stuff. Uh, but that's pretty much it as far as like freelance stuff goes for so me. Nothing too heavy. Nothing too heavy. So Jeremy, we went to film school together. We did a video. Mm -hmm. We kind of did a video series on it on my channel. Um, Danny, you also went through the film program. I did. Correct. UNLV. Yeah. Um, that was kind of before my time. So what, mm -hmm. what kind of, what were the things that you were working on while you were in film school? Like was there a specific kind of track you were leaning against or? I was going for acting primarily, and then uh, direct. I kind of fell into directing and and screenwriting while I was there. And uh, <clears throat> I honestly, th I think one of my biggest regrets in college is not being more active in the community. Me too. I I feel Me like too. I tried when I was in film school. I feel like, like I didn't try. <laughs> well, I asked people like, really? "Hey, let's let's work on something. Let's do something." And and. and uh, and, and this was sort of a reality check for me right away when I learned that there's a lot of people who who want to do stuff but sometimes don't have the initiative or yeah. they just get maybe busy. the resources to yeah like, that's a big thing especially if you're a student like yeah it's not like we have like we have very limited you know capacities in terms of what we're able to accomplish with totally just from a technical standpoint yeah. and then mm -hmm. not to mention that like we're all still young in our career like yeah, yeah. you know we're all still learning. Tell the professors that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, they they treated us like uh, like professionals. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted us to be professionals, so yeah. they treated us like, they, uh, like them yeah, already. Yeah, they did. They critiqued us like professionals, too. <laughs> or did. Oh, jeez. But that put us through the fire. I yeah. think that's good. That's healthy. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's what we need, you know, sometimes. Mm. Like, um, I, I was, I was uh, with a marching band group. Um, for a couple of years and, and one of the uh, instructors, he was, you know, almost a hard ass, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and then a couple of years passed and then he left and then the new person that replaced him was like, not a hard ass. And, oh. you know, I, and then, cause I remember the, the old guy would just beat us and like, if you yeah. messed up, like he would call you out. Did the team get a little lax because of that or? I, I almost, you know, I, like, I feel like that's, 
sometimes that's like really what you need. You just need a solid ass kicking and you just need to get your ass handed to you. Mm -hmm. Like a couple, like, I mean, like you don't need, it doesn't need to be like constantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like once once or twice, you just need to, you 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 need need a little nudge. You need the full, you know, you need the full force of that. uh, And that's why you're there in school. Right. That's why you join these programs Mm -hmm. because you need a push, you know? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, so how did you two meet? Did you guys meet in school or did you meet? Oh man. <laughs> we, all, we all went, I mean, we all went through the film program, but yeah. Did you guys meet through the film program or is it No, else? we didn't. We actually met at Best Buy. Yep. And, Best uh, Buy. Yeah, Best Buy. Best Buy. Damn. Not like two strangers just running into each other at Best Buy and like, hey, you look like a cool dude. You want to no, make movies together? <laughs> no, we no. both worked at Best Buy yeah. at the time and, and, uh, yeah, we both. Uh, it's funny. We didn't even. We talked about stuff like this briefly while we worked at Best Buy, but after after Jeremy had left, uh, I had started. I basically started Ismahawk, like the preliminary, I guess, concept of what it was, and uh, I would post like videos that I was making pretty much by myself that are not anywhere to be found on YouTube. <laughs> so don't even try to look for oh, it because you're not going to be able to find them. I already did. And, uh, <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Cut to it right now. <laughs> so uh Jeremy gave me some uh criticism on one of the next videos and I think Wait, so you guys were just coworkers yeah. at this point. So yeah. like how did you so you guys just talked from work? Like how did how did the, how did the conversation start? We're like, "Oh, I, don't know. I like I, I was already interested in making stuff and filming things. I just hadn't started yet cuz I was actually doing computer science at UNLV first. Okay. Um, so you hadn't really found it yet. Yeah, and I was at UNLV for four years until I switched to film. Wow. So, wait, when did you start UNLV? Uh, I did electrical engineering first, then switched over to dental, and then pre med, and then accounting, and then Jeez. computer science. And it was in computer science that I realized that we started doing a. Uh, what did we do? We did the first Nightwing video at the garage, I think. Even before that, I was I made this. I was making this That's Aladdin right. yeah. trailer, like a, a live action Aladdin teaser trailer, and that was sort of like my passion project right. my senior year of right. college. And uh, I asked Jeremy if he wanted to uh, to help out, and Jeremy went and he built this like he he actually went and built a jib. He built yeah. like this makeshift back in the day jib, back in the day jib arm, and that we sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, it was great bringing this giant contraption to uh, Armagosa Sand Dunes, like yeah, to the Sand Dunes, and trying to set it up. Like it probably would have worked fine in not that location. And then uh, Jeremy also did the sound and the audio for that. And after that, we talked about doing the first Nightwing video, the Batman Nightwing versus mm-hmm. Red Hood video. Mm-hmm. And it was after that video that I switched to film school because I thought, oh, oh so yeah. it was kind of after this meeting that you kind of realized, oh, yeah, well, it's like, oh, I guess it is possible for us fools to do videos on YouTube. That's awesome. That's the age of new digital content. That so is super okay, cool. yeah, let's do it. That's super cool. So in the 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 early days of Ismahawk, like, what other kind of video projects were were you putting out? Were, so were you putting out specifically for the channel, like for the YouTube channel? Uh, yeah. So yeah. like, what kind of uh, what kind of like stuff did you do in the early days? Oh man, uh, I'd say a lot of similar stuff to what we're doing now. Just now, we've Kinda just lower scale, l- bigger yeah. scales. Yeah, yeah, we've leveled up a little bit. Um, up. That's a good word. Yeah, that's a good term. <laughs> a little bit. But that was it. We're basically doing the same things, like fan films and like short action scenes. Right. And 
we were inspired heavily by like Corridor Digital and Freddie Wong okay. at the time. Yeah, like yeah, those yeah. were our uh, like huge inspirations for us. So that's what inspired us to jump in. And so we've, you know, them being our heroes, we wanted to do some, something similar, but in our own style. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just kind of have been on that path ever since. What's so, um, in those early days, what sort of traction did the channel have? Like how long did it take until like a kind of really significant following started to grow? To develop? Um, hmm. After Nightwing the series. So we came out with the first Batman Nightwing video and that went viral. <clears throat> it It's, I think, sitting at that around... That was the one in the garage. The, that was the one in the, the garage. Yeah. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That one went viral, and how we did it go viral? It just naturally, you know, the uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, at the end of the Dark Knight Rises, and I think it's just pure coincidence, and it could be because people were also searching Nightwing a lot more at the time too. Mm-hmm. But when the Dark Knight Rises came out, we had released our video, or we had already shot, and we were in post, um, and we were supposed to uh, upload the video by the day Dark Knight Rises comes out, and. We were, I think, what four days late or something. Yeah, um, it was. It, I think we we dropped it the Tuesday after the movie came out. Yeah, did you guys like plan that, or yeah. did you get you yeah, guys? Yeah, we did plan that. that? Okay, um, cool. We wanted to come out before the movie came out to kind of get on that traction. Yeah. of uh, people, you know, searching stuff. But like, luckily for us, they Christopher Nolan included that uh, post credit scene or like at the end with um, the character John Blake, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character. Mm-hmm. And they referred to him as Robin. People were like, "Oh shit, Robin! Oh my God, is he Nightwing? And is are they continuing the series?" And so the like search results just started oh, skyrocketing. Man. So we were Got, just on that. So it was a little bit of a little bit of strategic planning on your part, but also a little bit of luck with that. Yeah, kind of coming out. I think it's it's always a combination of yeah. both of those. Yeah. There's like a formula to get something to go viral, but it's like fifty percent strategy. Yeah. I'd say like. Forty percent strategy, twenty percent quality of content, and then another forty percent luck. Yeah, like it's it's so hit or miss. Yeah, depending on what time, like what's going, like what's trending. You know, there's yeah. so many variables now. YouTube's algorithm is even more difficult to navigate than it was back at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's still very algorithm possible. changes every week. Yeah. So wow. yeah, yeah. That's. Um, did you um. Did you do anything specifically to help drive engagement and views other than maybe strategically planning videos? Um, yeah, after every release or prior to every release, uh, I have a, like a list of websites and and email addresses that I uh, I submit the video to. to so like uh, go out, reach out to different websites, websites that I'm personally a big fan of and I'm on often. Mm-hmm. And see that oh they post this, this person's content that's similar to this so like maybe they'll appreciate this and be able to share yeah. this with their audience so it's a win win they get to share something relevant with their audience that can pull in views for that website mm-hmm. and then uh, obviously we get the we get the uh, engagement guess, engagement yeah, from all the, that as well viewers. so it's mutually beneficial so uh, every time we release a video I usually submit and you still do that now I still do that. Yeah, it's and now I've actually gotten to the point where I've started to build relationships with oh, cool. people from di- the different websites over the course of time that they've submitted our videos. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, if it works, that's, it that's works. That's kind well. of a really cool tidbit of information. I mean, because like, what's the le- that like, what's the what's the worst thing that can happen? You know? Yeah. Them saying also, no. Also, don't like, like just cookie cutter email. Like, no. personalize right. each email right. to each of these outlets. That's and really if cool. you're not actually a fan of that website, then maybe 
reconsider submitting your mm-hmm. your stuff. Like at least look through their stuff first, yeah, and then get familiar yeah. with it. And then that way you can get a, get a good sense of like what kind of audience they're going for too. And then mm-hmm. if it's a good match, because at the end of the day, you know that's what it's about. Yeah, like your content being a good match for their platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's also important to know, like when you're planning the video in the style that we plan our videos and the kind of videos that we do, you sometimes want to include certain tidbits and things that does reach out to a wider audience than just what you're making a video for. Mm-hmm. So, for, for example, we'll include a certain character in there because it's popular in this market. Mm. So that way we can submit that video to whatever forum or website that's popular with that market. Instead, So it's casting a wider net. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's just how Hollywood movies do it. Like yeah. they plan brand deals specific for that, or they include characters specifically for merchandising and marketing, so that they can reach those markets. And so we're just doing the same thing with our wow. small videos. There you go done. Um, so I want to, I want to, I want to dive into Nightwing. Yeah. So where did this idea start for season one, Nightwing the series? What are we doing? It was outside of uh, the gym. And we're standing in the parking lot like we always do and just like brainstorming ideas. Just chilling. Yeah. Just talking. And loitering. <laughs> yeah, coming loitering. Up with ideas for yeah, videos. Yeah, that's how we came up with the idea for the original Batman Nightwing video in the gr- same, parking garage. So same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. same thing. And it was, uh, was it after Link versus Marth? No, no. Link versus Marth was after Nightwing the that's series. Right. This was right after Assassin's Creed, which. Oh, we, man. <laughs> yeah, at the time, we made an Assassin's Creed video. Uh, at the time, we were we were like switching off on the videos and fans like kept asking us for a Nightwing series, but like we were like, we don't want to do another Nightwing series unless we know we can do it really well. Yeah. Uh, unless we do it big. Yeah, a hundred yeah. times better than what we did for our other video. And it was Jeremy's turn to choose what video we we, we made. And, uh, and sorry. Um, and I was, was like, let's do it. Let's just, like people are asking for it. Why don't we sit down, make a plan, Maybe we'll do a Kickstarter for it because crowdfunding was like really hot at the time. Yeah, for sure. It just it had just taken off kick, so, uh, crowdfunding stuff. So you guys, you guys uploaded that video, the Kickstarter video, on January thirty first, twenty thirteen. Mm. What was the so what was that process like of of crowdfund raising? Oh man, stressful, <laughs> super stressful. It's understate. That's an understatement. <laughs> Anxiety inducing. You yeah. know, we were originally planning it for it to be just two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's all we needed. Yeah, because we just wanted to make a new costume. We, <laughs> we weren't it. even planning anything else outside of that. So where did you come up with the uh the that total figure, the twenty thousand dollars? Where did that come from? So we started collaborating with uh, a couple of friends of ours, uh Mike Slater and Andy Hansen, who were uh who were directing Nightwing at the time, they got uh, some cool opportunities in New York and had to leave. So we continued moving forward mm-hmm. with the project from there. And that's when we brought on director Adam Zielinski uh, to direct Nightwing the series. And uh, he, he killed it, did amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, Mike and Andy were the ones who basically elevated Nightwing. They kind of opened up our, our perspective, I think, a little bit. And we all kind of started talking about the, the series and the level that was larger than what we were capable of at the time because um, I had just graduated f- from film school. Jeremy was... I had just started film school and that's when we met, actually. Yeah, that yeah. was right at the cusp of yeah. our meeting. That's crazy. Yeah. That mm-hmm. flies. Wow. That was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, holy crap. It's crazy how, you know, I was thinking about this like today is like how how fa- how, ti- how time really does fly. Yeah. It's crazy and just like think about how, where you guys were back then. Now think, wait, five, it's only five years. Yeah. Only yeah. half. What's your five-year plan? Like, I don't know. Anyways, continue. I, I just, 
I thought that was crazy. No, I mean, they were the ones who thought of the idea, and then we sat down with him. We sat down with my older brother, um, who was executive producing at the time, and he, we kind of came up with the figure. Okay, so if we made 20 grand it from Kickstarter, then we can do this, 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 and this. And then we'll need to set aside this much for Kickstarter rewards, which uh, ended up being quite expensive. So that was basically how that happened. And and honestly, we had no idea if it was actually going to get funded. So uh, it was pretty amazing yeah, and shocking. I, I, how long what was the window? How long was how it? Was long? 60 days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It we, was uh, not the normal length 30 days that most people take on Kickstarter. Because, mm-hmm. which I'm. Like we got would luck. you have would you have made the thirty days or no? We would have missed it by three days, I think, or four days. Did we? Did yeah, we? Yeah, because I think we hit nineteen thousand on day thirty. Mm. Wow! And we Holy hit twenty moly. a few days later, and then we, it just kept going. So if you guys wouldn't have ma- made that, then no, yeah, we wouldn't have gotten money. Holy yeah. cow! And it got uh, at the end. We raised thirty four k. Thirty four thousand four hundred ninety five dollars. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, you have an extra about 15 grand. So, like, how, what do you start in terms of allocating for budget? Like, what was that process like? Oh, man. We didn't do it as intelligently as we would now. <laughs> Let's just say that we were, I was... We were pretty green back then. Yeah, I mean, I was 23 years old. Jeremy was 22, 21. Yeah, something like that. And, uh, and, and you, you just... Know, Given this lump sum of money, and like, you're like, "What do we do? What do we do okay. with this? I've never had this amount of money uh, to to spend before." So, yeah, that, um, that's yeah. We yeah. had to creatively come up with how we were going to allocate the money, and so instead of doing the smart way, the smart way. So, if you ever do a Kickstarter, the smart way is you come up with your plan, you set your plan, and you stick to that plan no matter what. And then you before you do the Kickstarter exactly. Oh, okay. Then mm-hmm. once you, if you exceed your goal and you meet like any sort of stretch goals, then you have contingencies in mind for that, mm-hmm. for those, uh, for that extra money. Mm-hmm. For us, we just decided to, oh, we got thirty four k. Let's do this thing. But we had to spend like I think we spent a total of eight grand on equipment rentals. Um, we spent. Uh, probably another eight grand just on Kickstarter rewards. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I know Amazon took out uh, a, a huge percentage as well. Wow. So, uh, so we had a, we ended up having to put in a little bit of our own money mm-hmm. to get the thing done. Um, but I think the lessons that we learned are the reason why we're, I think we're at where we are now. You know, we've continued to learn and grow from that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like easily ended us. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's like sometimes you just need that kind of harsh reality to kind of slap you in the face to be like, all right, well, yeah, now I know. know, Yeah, that's that's cool. Trial by fire. Exactly. So up until this point, had you guys worked on anything remotely to the scale of Nightwing? No, (laughs) not even close. Not even <laughs> close. Nope. So you basically were just you. You were thrusted into this world of production from from like small one. scale. You from small scale YouTube content. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> so many moments where I felt because like at the end of the day, Adam was the director, but I was like the creative producer. So the like, yeah, the showrunner, quote unquote. So like, sure. I was the one really trying to navigate a lot of the things. And I had Domenica Castro and Adam Zielinski there and Jeremy as like 
amazing people to lean on. Like yeah. if I, I, I say this all the time, and I don't think he gets enough credit. Adam Zelinsky is the reason why Nightwing happened. Mm-hmm. Send the dude some love because yeah. he forced this thing to happen. And like there were things that we didn't know how to do. Yeah, and Adam got it done. Adam, UNLV alumni. UNLV alumni. He grabbed. Uh, he had a ton of connections that he called in a lot of favors mm-hmm. for this project. Which I think like ninety percent of everyone who worked on Nightwing was UNLV alumni yeah. at some point. Oh yeah, City of Las Vegas coming That's together. Awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. killer. Um, so. The idea, so going back back to how Adam kind of directed the whole thing, the this kind of whole idea of Nightwing the series, like ultimately, like was born from you guys. So I'm interested in like hearing, were you like, because you at first had other people uh, slated to direct. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, was there any reasoning behind that? Like, did you want to direct it, or did you like? How did you feel like about that? I knew that I wasn't. <laughs> I knew I wasn't in a place to direct this. I knew I wasn't, I, I didn't have the skill level or the experience to direct a project this large. Um, and we almost really- you, Almost like you didn't know you weren't ready kind of thing. Yeah. Also, you were like the lead. Yeah. So. And I wanted to make sure that I can focus on on my performance predominantly. But being the creative producer had me doing a lot of other things. Right. So I really didn't get to to focus on the performance as much as I would have liked to. But- uh, predominantly, like, if we were to direct something similar to Nightwing now, I would love to direct something like that myself because I now have the experience and I learned from watching Adam. I learned from watching sure. uh, the rest of our team work. And, uh, you know, we have a lot more experience since Up. 2013. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even, even from 14, even from 15. Like, it's crazy how much... Yeah. Uh, this has grown, like Ismahuk has grown, yeah. like, and it's 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 cool for me to like kind of watch and observe too. And so you were there half the time, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, for a, for a, for a hot minute, yeah. Um, yeah. So on Nightwing, most of your crew, like you said, was you know the alum mm-hmm. um, and kind of Las Vegas based. How did you go about like sourcing everyone? Like, where do you start? Like, if you if you need to get crew, and I know I think well at the time it was just. On my side of things, it was just asking people in my class, and that's why. In like, class? Yeah, in class, and then the other half, like the big crew, because obviously I just started film school, so I didn't know right. like high production level people yet. And I think it was Adam Zielinski who knew most of you know the people we know now, mm-hmm. uh, who was brought on to the project, and then uh, the professors at UNLV helped out too, like just posting stuff on Facebook. Oh. Pages and stuff like that. And the UNLV film community. So, yeah, I think it's it's so cool. It's really tight knit. It is really. Yeah. And like, uh, like, you know, we we follow all them on like Instagram stuff. And like, they're always together. Like, everyone is always like working together. together. That's, I think that's the cool thing about Vegas. Like, even Vegas as a city, it's, I mean, it's a big city, but it's such a small town, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like everyone knows each other somehow. And, you know, especially each other. Yeah. Especially the film production. Like, it's kind of really Mm -hmm. niche. You end up just knowing, like, once you've been in the game for so long, you just end up knowing. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about networking, and like, you know, that's that's one of the main reasons I went to film school is because of the networking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that was like that's what we talked about <laughs> exactly. Um, and I talked about it with Rosemary too. Like, like networking is like one of the greatest valuable assets that you can have. Um, and film school gives you a really great avenue to facilitate that, mm-hmm. um, which is great for me because like I'm a super introvert. Like, I don't really I don't really go out and meet people, but yeah. like 
so film school literally forced me to do that. So You're the Phantom DP. Phantom DP, in and out, no questions asked. You don't even see it. So, um, <laughs> actually, do you want? Because everyone asked me about that. You really? Wanna, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to explain where this Phantom DP came from? Um. So for those of you who don't know, people, a lot of people, Dan, well, Jeremy specifically, he he nicknamed me the Phantom DP <laughs> uh, for a specific reason, and so. Yeah. So the head of. Uh, the head chair of the UNLV film department, his name is Francisco Menendez. And it's funny because anytime, like if you're familiar with the UNLV film department, uh, Menendez is over, basically overseeing everything, right? And so he knows people coming in and out of there. He, he knows all the faces and stuff. But he still doesn't know you. No, I no clue. No idea who you no are. Clue. Like even. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, he doesn't know who I am. Like it's not like that. Yeah, but it's, it's like, not that. Like I've been in classes with this man. And yeah, like, he's I, like, taught an, your classes. Advanced direct. Like I've been through that class. Like, I'm sitting next to you, and <laughs> like, he knows me personally. So. Yeah, like three times, and like the dude had no clue who I. And like part of that is because, like I said earlier, like I tried not to. For me, at least, I. I think I tried to not really, I wasn't really involved when I was in the film program. Mm-hmm. Like I, most of the time when I was there, I, I was focusing on my own stuff, focusing on yeah. like growing my own business. And that's why I do a lot of the like kind of ma- one man band stuff I do now. Yeah. Um, while everyone else was like working on their narrative projects, like I w- want to make movies, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So while they were doing that, I was kind of very secluded off doing my own thing. And so that's part of the reason. Um, but I'll still never yeah. forget to this day. It was, uh, it was my. La- it was actually one year ago, probably almost exactly, my last semester at UNLV. Um, they had a. It was like a going away, like, like recognition little thing in the yeah. little uh, student union theater, and so um, they kind of just gave out awards to like the seniors, like all right, it's, it's like the sen- senior send off kind of thing. Yeah. And so we're all kind of. We're, it all ends. We're all kind of hanging out outside. I'm talking with some friends, and then I'm I'm leaving because it's like basically one of my last days at school, I like go up to Menendez. I, I like shake his hands. Like, thanks for everything. And I forgot what he said. He said, thanks bud. <laughs> <laughs> no clue what my name is or like who I am. And I'm like, oh, oh man. And it's so face. funny because like the stuff that you do shoot for class, he sees them and he always makes a remark like this looks really good or like this looks amazing or whatever, but he doesn't know. Like, it's funny. Cause I distinctly remember him asking a couple of times who shot this and Oh, Robert Machado. And, those days you weren't in class and so oh really robert and i, I can see him thinking robert machado and who's he walks that? up yeah, who's he, that he, he knows the name robert machado and he knows your face but he doesn't realize that he you're just the doesn't same put person. it together so i started calling rob the phantom dp a little DP. bit of that is on you though hey if you want to work work if you want to go to class go to class that is true that is but true since then like i've been calling you phantom dp because you know you go in get out get your yeah. shit done go in go into film school finish Get my degree out. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody hears Anytime a whisper. Anytime you shoot something, no one knows who it is. It's like, just see the results on screen. Who did this? I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't a know. Ghost? Yeah, a ghost. A phantom. <laughs> um, so I think, Danny, the first time we met, I think, was at the Nightwing premiere, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I'm trying to, yeah. So I was the, back then, I was the photo editor at Rebel Yell. And like, oh, I, was, yeah. <laughs> I was, so this was back when I, I, was, I still had a huge hand in photography. So I was the photo, I was managing all the photos in, um, at the Rebel Yell, and I was trying to put out more video content, obviously, because I'm a film major and do videos. So I was like, hey, this would be cool to make a, you know, uh, like a recap report video or whatever of the mm-hmm. of the premiere. So I end up going there. I meet you all. And, dude, there's a lot of people there. 
It was crazy. It was a I big didn't turnout. realize how many people there were. It was the full theater. There were people I've never seen before. <laughs> yeah. I was and they're like, all dressed up. I was like, who the fuck are all these people? <laughs> That I've never seen before. This is crazy. Maybe this the, is just our stupid YouTube maybe, right? maybe series. Maybe, oh man, that is insane. Um, so, how did you facilitate using Brendan Theaters as as the location for the premiere? Ah, uh, who suggested it? It wasn't. It wasn't our idea. I don't think it I might think have been. It was Domenica. It might have been Domenica's idea because I think they screened she, something she's else. produced before mm-hmm. with so the Domen- help of Domenica her is the producer of of the series. Yeah, yeah, and so her sister, her older sister, also UNLV alum. Uh, her sister is also a producer, and I think they've are already had things screened at the Brennan Theater, so they had a working relationship with them, and I think that's how they got in contact mm-hmm. for this specifically. Brennan Theaters, I know, is friendly. Uh, yeah, about they're supportive this sort of, of the local film. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah, they do the the LVF, the Las Vegas Film Festival. Yeah, exactly. So. Very supportive of all so that. shout out to Brendan Theaters. Yes. Thank I I'm still very grateful. They gave us a, an amazing It was a great space, yeah. Amazing mm-hmm. price and and a and a really solid theater and it was yeah. it was awesome. It was a really awesome theater. Yeah. yeah. It was super awesome. So um after the after the premiere, after the release, what was your channel's growth like? Uh so I think we were at 30,000 subscribers uh when the day episode 1 dropped. Um as soon as episode one dropped, it was subscribers rolling in on the daily. So we went from 30 to about 110 by January. So it came out in, what, September? No, was that in November, right? Oh, it was in November? Was oh, yeah, it? I think the premiere was in September. I worked on finishing a lot of the visual effects, which mm-hmm. weren't 100% for the premiere. Um, and uh, And then it dropped on, yeah, I think either October or November. And then, uh, yeah, and by I think January we were at about a hundred thousand, wow. roughly. I'm, I'm, I'm. That'll do it. Yeah, that is that's awesome. That'll yeah. Do it. So and people still every single day. There has not been a day that has gone by that I haven't been asked about season two. You sir, biggest <laughs> troll in the world, trolling me on it every time we post about Anna it. Rob, I'm <laughs> soaking the fire, instigating. <laughs> Pouring gas over it, man. <laughs> Dude. Anyways. Uh, so that's awesome. That's crazy. That's um and then as 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 the whole series kind of released, what was uh like what were what were numbers like? Uh you know what's funny? It, me and Jeremy talked about this and we were like, we want this to just if it just gets a hundred thousand on the first episode, we're good. Like views? Yeah, hundred thousand views on the first episode. And uh do you remember what the view count was like? It was Three hundred fifty thousand on the first week, I think. Yeah, hundred in the first day. Yeah, so we hit our goal. Yeah, we hit our goal on the first day, and we were hoping just hopefully maybe it'll get a hundred thousand. Like total, total, (laughs) total. Yeah, and just kept going. (laughs) Wow. So you guys must have just been blown out of the water, like like we all were. Deer in the headlights. I can't even on fire. Yeah, can't even imagine what that was like. Yeah, and and every as every every episode was coming out, it just kept growing. And people were, they were loving it. And it's weird, you know, because we look back and we see so many. Uh, I would so many, do it so differently now. Yeah. And it's like, and this is not, uh, no disrespect on anybody who worked on it. Like, honestly, that what Adam and the team were able to do are freaking incredible. Oh, yeah. We wouldn't have been able to do this without him. But there mm-hmm. are things that like, things that I think we would all do even better now. So had we the same amount of time, budget, and 
And with the knowledge that we know now, yeah. like yeah. it would be. Yeah, this was during Ismahawk's infancy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You yeah. guys were still like a fresh channel. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. now, apply, like if you were to apply what you know now, holy moly. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. So now I want to dive into like the Ismahawk kind of nitty gritty, um, kind of moving on from Mightwing. So I want to ask, how do you guys professional or how do you guys balance your professional life with Ismahawk? Like, how do you your other professional work with the YouTube channel? Um, uh, I just do it. I don't think about it. You just don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, have, do you ever have like scheduling conflicts or like how do you manage it? Absolutely. Like so when I first started just freelancing and stuff like that, um. I had to build like my client list, like people who knew what I was doing. And then after I had done that, and I was getting regular freelancing work, uh, it was getting to a point where we, like Ismox, started taking off. So I had to say no to a lot of freelancing wow, jobs. Wow, you just have to, to do, do this. Turn them down. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like I turned down Ismox and then do the freelance to make money. I was like, money comes, money goes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the jobs will always be there, but yeah, jobs will always be here. This is what we're trying to grow now, and like that also came from a mentality of like. Um, immigrant parents you know they came here with nothing and they're sure. building from nothing so i was like you know i can do it too then i'll do the same for myself mm-hmm. yeah exactly and don't want to like you know their journey wasn't in vain so and i feel like that's a different perspective especially mm-hmm. in the freelancing world and in the the art world that a lot of people don't have a perspective of because maybe they were you know already born here you know um but with that perspective like I was fine saying no to the freelancing jobs to do this. Think about freelancing, you can only say no so many times before people stop calling. Yeah, right. So now I'm starting that, to rebuild it back up. And that's the up. thing, too. Like, you, like, once you say yes to one job and once you have a, build a healthy relationship with a, one client, like, that's just, that'll sometimes that'll just spread, you know? They mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. people will ask them, hey, I'm looking for a Vegas blah, 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 XYZ. Your name automatically gets thrown out there. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's, you know, it, it, you know, honestly, it just depends. It's like sometimes, like, and that's something you'll never know. And that's something that's, the, you'll never know if I do take this job, what other jobs will come from it or mm. what jobs won't come from it. So yeah. it's like, it's such a, it's such a balancing act. Yeah. I feel like that aspect is more of the old freelancing world. Now it's more like social media based yeah. and networking. Totally. Stuff like that. Dude, Which cool. is funny because in terms of Ismahawk, the name Ismahawk has definitely gotten me some freelancing jobs. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. On that side of things, instead of like just networking with people and getting them to know me, they already know me, and now they're just like reaching out to you know, me. As a brief side note, I think I mentioned this to you guys, but I used to teach marching band a few years ago, and then I had yeah. one of my students come up to me. Wait, I saw you on an Ismahawk video. Was that, was wow, that you? you know this? <laughs> yeah, that's the first I've heard of this. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. crazy. One of my one of my students I was teaching I was like, "Wait, were were you on one of? The, I think I saw you on like the Deadpool video. Is that you?" <laughs> Like, yeah. The one where you and Jeremy were running around I, like crazy I people with so. that steady cam. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, but yeah, man. it's like crazy. Like even even you know, yeah, it's crazy just how wide of a net like you guys have casted and like how how much of an audience reach. Like I had my students come up to me like yeah. Anyways, marching was, band. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. It's um, always humbling to hear stuff like that. I mean, this is our dream. You know, mm-hmm. we want to. The fact that you can make a living as a creative doing the kind of projects that are creatively fulfilling and fun. It's like, yeah, we're not making like Citizen Kane or anything like that. Sure, it's just some silly YouTube videos. But like 
we're doing what we want to do and we're yeah. doing what we love to do. And mm -hmm. we have fun with every single set, whether we are in love with the idea that we're doing or we just think it's going to be something fun that our audience might like. It's gratifying. And the fact that some people will send us emails and, and DMs and stuff saying that our work got them out of like out of a really tough place or it entertained them on a day on a like they were having a really bad day and they watched one of our videos and they felt better. And it's just like, Oh geez, man. It like, it never, <laughs> crazy. It, yeah. it never truly sinks in. And it's always just such a, uh, it's even harder when you meet the people in real life. That's amazing. Yeah. This kid started crying when he really? met us at a con. Yeah. Once. Which oh, is crazy. Man. He was he so excited there. And, so excited. And it was just like it warmed. That's incredible. The power heart. that you can have over, you know, yeah, it's, it's that. crazy. It's like you, like we're all doing what we're doing because of the passion that we have for it. Yeah. And like that enough, we'll do it. But like the reach that you guys and like the fan appreciation that you guys get, like that's just icing on the cake. It's like mm -hmm. such a, uh, like it just adds, it just supplements to, you know, the creative yeah. fire that is the passion I feel of like filmmaking. Yeah. at some point it can switch back and forth. Like it's straddling a fine line between like we're doing it because we're passionate about it. And then the reaction is the icing on top. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like, oh, we're doing it for the people. And then the passion in it. Yeah, is the icing yeah, yeah, yeah. On top. that's kind of cool. That's that's a unique way. Of yeah. mm -hmm. um, so in terms of how you guys plan out your videos, is there is there anything particular that helps? Because I know you, you guys said that you guys planned out that first Nightwing video yeah. kind mm -hmm. of with the Batman. Um, is there any how else do you guys like kind of is there anything that helps guide you in terms of con content that you'll be pursuing? Like, yeah, movie releases. Movie re so you you, you actively try to plan out with. Mm -hmm. any big releases um just like for example in 2018 just look at a list of the movies big movies coming out big video games big moments that are being announced and stuff like that and just kind of plan like brainstorm videos that we would like to do in that same kind of arena like cross-reference them with yeah exactly and that we would like to see as well mm -hmm. like what kind of what what would be a fun video like if you were just on YouTube or scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, mm -hmm. and then you just see, like, mm -hmm. what would you have fun watching? Yeah. And we have one plan for Infinity War, and uh, and then, in, like like I said, we usually plan our our videos around the release date of a movie, and Infinity War pushed their freaking release up by like, a week or two. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Like, you guys are like, crap! crap. What the <laughs> heck, no, man. man! Oh, man, now I'm we have I'm sure rush. that move by Marvel messed up. <laughs> The whole Thanks, like up. <laughs> oh, we got a message. We got an email from our manager, uh, our YouTube manager, yeah. and, and he was like, he was like, "Yo, are you guys still going to be able to pull this off in time?" <laughs> yeah. We're like, "It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a sprint." <laughs> it's gonna yep. be tight. All other news outlets, same thing. All of other content creators, same thing. They're like, "Oh crap!" Now <laughs> no, we got to push no. all our schedules up. By what a are week. you doing, Infinity War? This Dang. is the Dang, movie Marvel? that we were trusting to stay on track. <laughs> yeah, so. the only movie so far, like in recent memory. That got pushed up, not pushed back. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, that yeah, that move by Marvel, like it kind of messed everyone up. Is there so along along those lines of uh, of planning with movie releases, is there anything else you guys do to help kind of guide your filmmaking? I mean, process? we always have a bunch of ideas like just flown around because we brainstorm a lot. Cause, probably just like hanging them in the bank and then whatever. Yeah, exactly. Maybe if the, <laughs> Funny you say that. Inside on our whiteboard, we have sticky notes, just a bunch of ideas. And mm -hmm. it's uh, one of the other ideas we're planning. Oh my God. <laughs> For uh, Super Smash Brothers, that was just announced. Like we've had that, that idea since we were doing Nightwing the series. 
and it's just been on the board. So it's just like playing a game of cards and just waiting until that. <laughs> wait yeah, until exactly. Your turn and comes. we've always had that on the back of our heads. But like when they announced the new game for the Switch, we were like, oh, we have to do this now. Sent a, a message in card. Slack, uh, in our Slack channel. Yeah. And I was like, new Smash trailer just came out. It's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> and everybody's just like, yes. yes! We've literally, Amazing. this is one of the videos we've been waiting to do. And we actually tried to do it right after we did Nightwing with Link versus Marth, but we didn't have the resources. That's why we did Link versus Marth. Yeah. <laughs> so we settled wow. with Link versus Marth, but we had another Smash Bros. idea that we freaking love and are so excited because yes. we finally have the resources to do it. And the skill to pull it off. Yep. That's, like, That's crazy how the stars are all line like that. Yeah, like, I know, right? And like the crazy thing about Super Smashes, they don't make a game every single year. They mm -hmm. <laughs> It's every once in a while. So if mm -hmm. we miss this, oh. Yeah, this so is a big, yeah, it's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so kind of in terms of analytics, do you, how, how, um, how much of the YouTube analytics do you guys like stick to? Like, do you guys use that in, in any way to better understand your audiences or, cause I know some people oh, kind absolutely. of, some people yeah. just kind of don't even worry about analytics, but you know, others are, mm -hmm. it's a good way to understand your demographic. So I'm interested in hearing like specific ways that YouTube analytics help better understand your audience. Um, I mean, it lets us know how many males, females, what age group, and and what they're actually interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, we can also see what videos perform really well to to see what what works, works in different regions. Too. Exactly. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. like what characters? Uh, you know what's funny? The when you're talking to a studio about making a feature film and you're trying to sell your script or whatever, and this is I'm talking like Hollywood level, like film world, right? When you go to film festivals. You're talking to all these agents and stuff who's looking to buy scripts. You always have to plan and think about like how you're going to sell this movie, especially on the studio side. And it's the same thing with the YouTube world. Like, how do you plan to market internationally as well as also domestically? Mm. So that like you, looking at YouTube analytics, and there are plenty of tools now that kind of dig into the YouTube analytics. Yeah. Of your channel to help you. There's so much insight. Yeah, so There's much insight so that much helps insight. you like view like kind of. Take a step back and see the bigger picture of yeah. what you're doing and what you can do to do better in all aspects. Dang. If anybody uh, has a YouTube channel out there mm -hmm. and you haven't downloaded vidIQ, I just the, downloaded that yeah, like a week yeah, ago. I told you it's about outstanding. It. It's I don't know if it's doing anything for me right now because, but well, it, uh, but no, just like, as long as you have it as soon as possible, like it just starts, it just helps you build that yeah. history. Anything that can give you an advantage, even if everyone has access to the same tool, if it gives you an advantage, uh, to growing your content and getting, you know, like one of the big things for me is like, we really want to do original stuff. Uh, it's something we've wanted to do for a very long time, but we know right now that if we do original stuff, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to be a huge investment. And in the beginning, we need to establish ourselves, get a, uh, a large foothold and then start peppering in the original mm -hmm. stuff from here and there. Yeah. You and, can't like expect to start out doing original stuff and yeah. wonder why, why is no one watching this? Yeah. Because there's like you don't have the resources to market yourself the way a big international studio can or a Hollywood studio can, you know. Not to say that you can't be successful. There are plenty you of can. people who have. Yeah. But <clears throat> this is our way of like mm -hmm. skipping the line. You in, know what I mean? In mm -hmm. essentially such an overly saturated digital world now. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Like you need to play all your cards right and like just play to your strengths and use your advantages. You know. Yeah, that's. Man, that's insane. Just dropping knowledge over here. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like a sponge. Like, over <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about a little bit about pre-production. Yeah. So, um, what is like specific? Like, so 
you guys, you guys obviously have a whole backlog of video ideas. Mm-hmm. You guys settle on one. What does the pre-production state stage look like? And like, what kind of discussions are had in terms of like story, look, you know, feel like, what is that process like? I think we kind of just throw out big ideas first and see which one sticks. And then we whittle it down into something that is doable with our resources. And specifically, since we do a lot of superhero related stuff, we are always needing superhero costumes. So we plan around, uh, okay, so big releases like Infinity War is coming out. What characters are in Infinity War? What's the most popular characters? Yeah. And which costumes are easiest to get a hold of? And which costumes do we already have? So we kind of, not like specifically plan for that, but we plan a, the just the outline of a story around certain characters. Like if we could use this character, we could use that character. And they're all like, flexible kind of like coming through and kind of just seeing what what's left over yeah like, exactly that's for the like the youtube video portion i i i feel like we can we separate our yeah. our ideas into three categories mm-hmm. which is like youtube videos and memes stuff like that stuff that's meant to be silly and fun mm-hmm. and and which quickly is, produced quick turnarounds mm-hmm. not very expensive is something to kind of satisfy our audience while working on bigger stuff then there's like shorts which I would consider are, um, are the higher production value. They'll cost more money to produce. They've got higher, just a lot more goes into it. They're more of a production. They require more planning. And they, they're laid out like a short film. Yeah. Sure. Almost. They're, yeah. Laid, they're more of a short film format. Exactly. Yeah. And then like web series and features, which we have only done one as of right now, but we have plenty of ideas. <laughs> ideas of plenty yeah. of stuff we want to do. And each of those... Each category requires a different set of pre-production. Gotcha. So the YouTube videos is more we think of a concept, a visual effect, a uh, camera move, something we want to try, something we want to experiment with and learn mm-hmm. uh, to do. And then the short films are more like we establish a story, we build characters, we try to their arcs. Yeah, they try to make sure there's an arc of the story. You know, so like uh, pre-production well, is not, different. That's not to say like all of our videos don't have that thought process because mm-hmm, even sure. our like short YouTube videos and our short form content like also have an arc in them. Yeah. It might be mm-hmm. simple, but they're still an yeah, arc. Maybe just like a, lot of, a smaller scale, but yeah, you know, exactly. it's still there. Think yeah. about even first person Iron Man. It's like, it's got a little story to it, but it's sure. mostly about like, it's mostly about we just... First you, person... You had a drone, around. so yeah, we you, wanted you, to you use it. You literally got that drone. And I was like, what could we do with a drone? <laughs> Let's fly around. Yeah, <laughs> let's shoot a video. That so was we put that context into it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, and the cool. reason why we made that video is because Rob got a drone. And then <laughs> yes. he was like, do you guys want to use it? And we were like, frack yes. yes. Let's figure and something out. And then we out. thought, okay, how can we fit this into like a short little arc? We can use Iron Man because Iron Man is in Civil War. And Civil War is coming out soon. Dang. There you go. Even with the Cap America yeah, cameo there. Because we had the costume and we had to include him because Civil War was coming out. Dang, look at that. And that video is now uh, I think I think it's closing up, closing in on two million. I think it's yeah. one point yeah. something right now. It's crazy! So. Wow. Now I, I can see all the dots connecting there. Yeah, that's like, yeah. exactly. You Which, can do that with every single one of our videos. By the way, that's my favorite BTS uh, that we have on any of our videos. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you're you the one who it. shot that. <laughs> it's still my favorite. Like oh, your documentarian I love, or something. <laughs> Is it what I, I love I that actually BTS. do. This? Um, so skipping ahead uh, in the in the post production sca- stage. How do you guys delegate responsibilities and roles? Like once everything is shot during the editing process, how do you guys like manage that? Um, 
I, I most of the time we which just kind of muscle memory now. Jeremy takes the footage, converts it, color grades it, mm-hmm. passes it off to me. I cut it, do visual effects. Gotcha. So you do all the cutting and VFX? I, I'll do, sometimes we'll have, uh, like we just did a short film uh, recently and we had our friend Alyssa Bascon. Uh, she uh, did the preliminary cut, the rough cut. The assembly. The assembly. And then I went in and did the final cut. So and then I went on to do the visual effects, but I, I usually do the majority of the visual effects yeah. on our projects. But that's one of my favorite parts. Also, so, an important note: like after every, uh, like after the assembly, and then after the first rough, like we always play it for the team. Mm-hmm. So everyone pitches in like their uh, at their each each version, feedback. each stage. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just it's continuous process; so it doesn't stop. Yeah. So, Danny, you do pretty much most of the VFX work. Where did you even like start with learning After Effects? Uh, I that's was, that's a beast of a program <laughs> oh, just yeah. in itself. Like, yeah, I love it. I love After Effects like, so I'm, much. I'm I'm like I'm like kind of fam- I'm like an yeah. acquaintance. I'm like I'm probably how Menendez is with me. Like <laughs> you know, I don't really I'm not really too familiar, but like you know, yeah. I've seen you once or twice. So yeah. like like where do you even begin with like learning that program? Uh, I started using After Effects when I was 15 for a video I made my junior year of. High school. Was that a legit copy? Of course not. I was <laughs> no. 15. Uh, <laughs> uh, Moving on. I use a legit copy now, though. Of course. Adobe. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I had to do lightsaber effect for this video I was making, and uh, I remember watching a tutorial on how to use lightsaber effect, and that was the first video I started. Um, and I've uh, just been... I try different techniques out with every video. Like, we're doing this Dragon Ball video right now, and I've wanted to do Super Saiyan aura effects, like, since forever. Yeah. Since forever. And I didn't really know how I was going to do it to the point where we actually shelved this video. We shot it with you. I know. That was a minute ago. (laughs) Back in 2000. I've been wondering. Yeah. I haven't forgotten. (laughs) It's coming. I'll show you you some of the visual effects. Yeah, you can see what it looks like now. I'll take a look. It looks pretty tight. But... I didn't know how to do the visual effects and I wasn't very good at them. So we shelved it for a while and now I'm coming back and I'm trying and I'm working on it and I'm figuring it out. I have to figure out You're still how to do every of, effect. So is that what it's usually like per, like per project? It's like, I need to learn, I need to figure out how to do this. I don't know how to do it yet. So it's like kind of a trial and error kind of process. Half the time. Sometimes I pretend like I know what it is. I know what I'm doing and uh, you I try just, it. And then yeah, I just, like, Dude, when we were doing the Wonder Woman versus Thor video, that I, I totally thought I had the motion tracking like, like I was like, oh dude, I, this like is, on the day you're like, oh dude, yeah, I'll be able to. This track is gonna be that. easy. Yeah. Yeah. I am such an idiot. Like honestly, <laughs> it's also half my fault because now I know how to expose for motion tracking. Oh, you have to expose of, differently. Yeah, you totally have to expose differently. And like I was shooting on the A7, no, the FS5, and I was doing the two stops over thing for mm-hmm. S Log Three. Mm-hmm. You don't do two stops over for motion tracking. You have to shoot at exposure, at base ISO. Like wow. why? Why is that? So when you shoot two stops over, the, the gamma curve reacts differently, especially to highlights. And since we were shooting outside on top of a parking garage, shooting two stops over on S-Log3 with the expanded highlights kind of pushes all the info into the top half of the, the waveform. And uh, motion tracking, especially planar tracking, what you were trying to do, and yeah. three-point cloud tracking, mm-hmm. like you need high contrast. Wow. And pushing the gamma curve into the top part of the waveform completely kills mm-hmm. all contrast. So you have to shoot at exposure so you get nice contrast. At, at what point do you start doing all that tracking? Is that like is that on log footage or do you convert to Rec 709? What is that? Oh, like? I I turn it to Rec 709. Rec 709. Like I rarely pass off log footage to anyone 
Um, I hold on. So after a shoot, when we get into post, officially post, uh, I'm basically organizing everything, like basically what a data wrangler does and a DIT does. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll do one first color pass, a quick color pass, and pass it off to anyone. So I'm passing off proxies for everyone, and everyone works on that. I hold on to the raw footage until the last pass after visual effects is done. Final delivery. Yeah, final delivery. I'll do a final color pass on everything Uh. with XML. Just, and, just curious. What, what flavor? What proxies do you give out? H two six four, and depending on like what video it is, it'll be either four K or ten eighty. Okay. Yeah, eight bit H two six four is plenty for cool. most people. Getting super technical here. But yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> on okay. most of our stuff, like the proxies are good enough just for the final delivery, especially on YouTube. Like no yeah, one's gonna right. notice, and Facebook, especially Facebook, because like it compresses it so totally. much. Totally. Espe- yeah. Like our all our vlogs are all H two six four proxies. Mm-hmm. So. Well. Got to say, YouTube's algor- YouTube's compression system, compressing the crap out of our videos, has actually helped sell some of the visual effects mm-hmm. even more. Dude, wow, like, I'm like there they you look go. all right now, but oh, okay, YouTube's gonna you watch just, it like, on YouTube. You're like, yeah, what? I'm just like, oh, you just destroyed the quality, but yeah. the effect sells more. Yeah, so. That looks yeah, a lot better than more. I remember. <laughs> okay, well, also right. like <laughs> for those of you out there uploading to YouTube, a uh, good note is YouTube's compression algorithm for 4K footage is much higher quality than its HD compression. HD compression is like an upscaled 720, and but if you encode your video in 4K at the same at a similar bit rate relating to the resolution, you upload to YouTube and it compresses it into a nice file, like with the sharpness still there. Going off a quick tangent, have you uh, have you messed with H.265 yet? Yes, I have. Dude, it's interesting. It's really I, interesting. I did I did a, a few tests a couple days ago. I was like, dang. So when we did the uh, or when we kind of reformat our new Hawk Talk set and our our stuff, I did the full episode. Like, the individual parts are still H.264 4K files. I think uh, 35 megabits per second. No, 50, sorry. And when 4K? I, yeah, 4K, 50 oh. megabits, which is, like, really low. Like, you should be hmm. around 100 if you want, like, nice quality 4K. But, like, it's for YouTube and it's a podcast. Doesn't matter that much. Um, but when I did the uh, the full episode, which is, like, usually an hour long... An hour-long 4K file uploading to YouTube, that is massive. So I tried out H.265 and getting the same quality as the separate parts, but at like 5 megabits per second, and it still plays back sharp. Yeah. Only thing is, is so much more... Processing power. Yeah, processing power. So much, even with my... Oh, been, yeah, I've dude. Crazy. Even me, I tried rendering out a, 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 like a 10-minute video. It took like 20 or something minutes. Which is, you know, fine, but yeah. normal if my normal H two six four exports, I mean, those could take like five minutes, you know. Yeah, exactly, so, dude. But, the full episode takes four and a half hours in H two six five. Dang, it sucks. So, and it's like working my processor even harder. So, like, yeah. my computer's gonna die soon. So it's I like, feel like. Yeah, so I switched back to. Yeah, right now I'm at the point. Well, is it is it worth mm-hmm. it? So I don't know. also when I first tried out H two six five, it had a problem encoding or putting it recording the meta- metadata tag for. Uh, the right video and data levels. Like you get different blacks and different gamma point. Like normal gamma point isn't 2.1 or 2.2. It's like 1.8 or something. And they can't, it doesn't display correctly, especially on Mac, Mm. which is weird. But now they fix that issue. So for those who have no fucking idea what we're (laughs) talking about, we're talking about encode, like how to encode, like videos are encoded in a certain uh, codec and like container. And normally YouTube videos are H.264, which is an old, version of compression there's a there's an even newer version of compression that takes a lot more processing power but you have like half of the file size half of the file size or twice the quality at the same bit rate 
Yeah. So, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And so we've been experimenting with that. Anyways, going back to Ismahawk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Roll you guys, <laughs> you guys outsource uh, for like specific needs. How are those needs determined and how do you find the right people to outsource to? Um, that's a great question. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's a, like, for instance, Jeremy can do sound design work, but you know, he has a lot on his plate already. So we pull in people who like, that's their career aspiration to be a sound designer. And so there's some people that I work with at my day job that, uh, that, uh, do sound. And so we brought them on board. They get even, experience. Even like Best Buy now, even at Apple. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, people right? like mine to be, that's, that's, man. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what I, I one of the things I, I really like to do is just find like really passionate, hungry people who may not have um, an opportunity elsewhere to be able to do this. And the thing is, is like, is you know, the YouTube channel is still is still in the process process of growing. You know, uh, it really is in the process of growing. After like YouTube's adpocalypse, like like sure. the money isn't flowing in like millions of dollars. So right. we really do. Uh, count on looking for creative people who are passionate about that w- what they want to do and who are up who want to be a part of a cool project uh, because we don't really have the funds to be able to pay their mm-hmm. rates or anything. So sure. that definitely is something that factors in to uh, to who we're able to bring on because right. obviously we want to pay everybody. Of course, we love. I would love nothing more than to pay everyone more than what they're worth. But at the same time, it's like. We're still trying it's, to... It's harder to facilitate that. <clears throat> it's hard to facilitate that, especially when we're still working out of our garage. Mm-hmm. So sure. uh, the thing is, is like there are a lot of passionate, hungry people. We have fans. Like uh, For one of these projects, we needed some high-end 3D models. And so I put in put out some feelers on, on Twitter, and I was like, does anybody who's a part of the Hawk Flock want to be a part of a project who has like concept art and 3D modeling experience. Wow. Dude from Canada named Mershad, super awesome dude, uh, hits me up and says, uh, I'm in school for 3D anima- 3D modeling and animation right Just now. Just from Twitter. Just from Twitter. And Power of networking. Holy moly. Social media. Look at that. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'd love to, to see what you can do. Sends me some of his work. I'm like, this is some great stuff. Then we start talking about the design. He sends me concept art for a few weeks that look fantastic. And then uh, he sends me uh, the model, and the model looks incredible. Yeah. And I was like, "This is this this is the thing is that that I've I've learned is there is so much talent out there, and people just don't have the opportunity to flourish. Yeah. They don't have an outlet to to work on or." Um, or uh, the, mean, not- the means to display their exactly. creative ability. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like this, this dude is a student right now. He just graduated. Like, can you imagine where this guy's gonna be in a few years? Like, he's already doing incredible work, and I can't wait to share it with everybody uh, in the next couple of months. I'm sure. Hopefully, we'll get the visual effects done. It's a very big project, but uh, but like that's the thing. Finding those talented people who want an outlet, who want to to build up their reels, beef them up. We're, we're one of our. A lot of them actually start out as fans. Like Clifford Paul runs Roundtable Studios. Um, he did the 3D animation for uh, Megazord versus Voltron. He's doing 3D animation for our new project. He started out as just a, a listening to our podcast and mm-hmm. just wanted to work with us. And now we're good friends and. Uh, and uh, he's working with us on a pretty much a regular basis. Whenever we can, uh, we can rope him in. We do. Mm-hmm. Well, 
That's amazing. The power of networking yeah. and yep. social media. That's great. Well, because all of all of uh, the last episode of Pictures Up with with Rosemary, that's like that was that was one of the main themes. Yeah. That was basically it was the whole theme of the episode is just networking, mm-hmm. and she she is very focused on like growing her social media channels mm-hmm. and like. She's it's doing on, well. Yeah, it's only the pa- over the past couple of months that I've really realized that, like, holy cow, like, oh yeah, social media, like the power behind mm-hmm. social media. It's like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's so crazy nowadays. It's because, like, imagine trying to do this stuff, you know, even ten years ago, fifteen years ago, when any, any you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, it wouldn't have been possible, honestly. There's, yeah, there's no way we'd have would have had the same reach or you know potential we have today. I mean, I remember I was shooting on freaking mini DV cameras when I was in high school. There now, oh, now man. we shoot 4K and complain about not having uh, a camera that's even better. And it's like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> we, like for the for what we're getting and what was possible 10 to 15 years ago, mm-hmm. it's. It's quite unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just it's, our ambitions grow with the technology. Yeah. Exactly. Dang, that is a good way. I'm going to frame that question. <laughs> our ambitions grow with the de- So, yeah. Dang. Um, so I've noticed that you guys, I, I think you guys mentioned this to me. You guys have shifted from like the superhero matchups to more kind of narrative driven content. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. What was it? What was the reasoning behind that, and and why did you want to pursue those kinds of stories? Well, we're filmmakers, and that's what we want to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like we just started doing the YouTube videos and like the small u- superhero stuff is because that was what was popular at the time, and it still is totally popular. But we're getting to a point where we're spreading our reach and getting an audience enough of an audience that will just watch our original stuff, and so we're starting to just like spread our wings more, you know want to cover different demographics as well yeah. and like we still have to do like the youtube type content like the short form uh, digestible simple stuff uh while we work on like bigger uh narrative stuff but at the end of the day like the versus videos are fun uh though when you look at the comments section you know there's a lot of uh positivity and negativity there's a lot of uh a lot of criticism for things that are not the merit of our filmmaking yeah. like uh i'm i hate you because joker lost and it's like we're not being judged on the quality of our film and it's you can't really take that sort of feedback and grow from it so mm-hmm. what we want to do is start making content that is more like us trying out different things learning and getting better with each video and project we do and then also hone our skills at te- telling stories so when we do every single one of these youtube videos is meant to get us to the next level to get more experience so we can tell stories better so we understand visual effects and how uh they incorporate to into telling the story and also trying out different camera moves different lighting techniques so yeah it's kind of like how jeremy jeremy always says to me like once you do this you you know start leveling up as like a filmmaker so yeah. it's kind yeah. of almost like after each video you've kind of leveled up in a way and, yeah, absolutely and, i think so like, Roger like that's how like we've grown so exponentially exponentially in the past few years mm-hmm. just because every time we do a video we try to push it past like the limit of what we can do yeah if okay so if you were to rank yourself right now from from uh zero to 100 one being the first time jeremy lee has ever picked up a camera to 100 okay. being roger deakins what level are you guys right now oh like I consider myself 25. I was about to say 25. 25? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like there's still a lot of room for growth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I think people, uh, we've, we've done a couple, like, interviews in the past, and sometimes the, the interviewer will be like, you guys need to 
kind of own it a little bit more because you're way too humble uh, about your skill level. Sure. And and uh, I think the bottom line is like we just want to keep getting better mm-hmm. and we know that we're not where we want to be yet. And mm-hmm. so we just want to keep on pushing ourselves and... I feel like we're not even aiming for 100. We're always looking past. Like 100 isn't the limit mm-hmm. anyway. So There is no limit. There is no... There is no limit. Yeah. There is no limit. The limit does not exist. The yeah. limit does not exist. <laughs> we, you know, like we look back. I, I still look at my at myself to be as good as I was when we did Batman Nightwing. I just... Uh, uh, imposter syndrome. I, I have like the worst case of imposter syndrome, I feel like, because I feel like I'm... Like I'm like, oh man! If only you guys knew how much I I really suck. <laughs> if only you guys knew. Yeah, you can see behind the veil. <laughs> this is a facade. Uh, but you know, that's the the bottom line is like we just want to keep on getting better. We don't want to settle yeah. for where we're at. I, I was listening to this great podcast yesterday with uh, Saradici, and she she was talking to this person that just got out of like went through film school. Actually, didn't even finish film schools, and um, like that like their creative drive came from like always wanting to learn. And it's interesting. Cause like, I really, I really resonated with that. Cause it was like, um, like, especially now, like I'm, so I'm done with school. Like I'm done with the film program and I'm happy to be done. But now, now that I'm done, I have a greater appreciation for the learning aspects yeah. of going through. So that's why mm-hmm. I'm always trying to just soak up information and I'm just trying to learn. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably trying to learn more now than I was in school. And yeah. you know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, way your my mindset is just kind of flipped and it's like when I was in school all I wanted to do is you know work and I just be done with it now that I'm out of school it's like well crap like I feel like I almost don't know anything you know <laughs> at, at one point it's like you know and 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 she's uh well, her guest said a really profound quote it was like you it's important to learn all of it's important to learn all of the rules so that you can then break them otherwise you're just an amateur and I was like holy cow <laughs> That I don't know. That really yeah. hit me. I was like, because you know, it's you can't the, change the game if you don't play it and learn it. First. Yeah, and, yeah. If you don't understand them, then you know, you're just an amateur. I was like, holy cow! Mm-hmm. I, I actually wrote that down on my whiteboard because it was so <laughs> profound. Um, but so the Ismahawk team is growing. Yeah, yeah. You guys have interns. Now. Yeah, yeah. We got interns. What we is it interns. like bringing people onto the team? Before we answer that, I need to use the bathroom real quick. Use it up. <laughs> Oi. I don't know, Danny, if you have any thoughts on, on what it's like bringing on. How, so, like, where did that, where did that, how did you guys determine that you needed to expand the team? Um, well, it was, for the longest time, it was just me, Noel, Tony, and Jeremy. And, uh, and that was just kind of it. Then uh, my friend Melissa, uh, Melissa Moon, basically uh, hits us up. She used to work in the tech industry, and now she wants to, wait a minute, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> so uh basically our our head of operations came in and uh she basically talked to us and said hey this is what i think i can bring to the team and help so you she, guys. She, she approached you yeah yeah uh-huh. she approached us and said that this is what she thinks she can bring to the team and honestly everything she said was like a godsend she was she is like melissa is like one of the most important members of our team right now because she helps us with a lot of our operational stuff. She is now helping us with a lot of like the producing stuff and is giving me the opportunity to just be more creative and focus on the yeah, creative take a step aspect. Back, yeah. yeah, like cuz the business stuff, like cuz there is like the stuff that's 
the business aspect, the marketing aspect, the, the freaking operational stuff, like what we need to continue moving forward, budgeting stuff out. And Melissa came on and is now helping to figure all of that out to help me, uh, help me do everything I need to do, but also is able to help Jeremy do everything he needs to do. So Yeah, and it, I mean, it lessens all of your guys' workload so that you can focus on... It's crazy because she's the third member, like third like member of a trio mm-hmm. where that we didn't even know uh, that we needed, you know? Like uh, as far as like leadership of the brand goes. And that's she's crazy. the one who yeah. pitched. Yeah, that's crazy interns. how how you, uh, how she, she approached you. Yeah, That yeah. wasn't even something that you like sought out. No, wow. not... I mean, yeah, she... She was interested in, you know, joining this uh, uh, in working in video and film and stuff like that. And, um, and uh, yeah, so she was interested and she's amazing and talented and brings a lot to the table and was kind of a no-brainer, you know? That's super, that's awesome. She's the reason we have interns. So, <laughs> so tell us about those interns. So, like, how, like, what is that process like? Like, in terms of bringing, like, additional interns on? Like, what are some of the responsibilities that they have, like, and how does that help you guys with your work? Oh, man, I love our interns so much. Uh, we have three of them right now. We have Jimmy, Preston, and uh, Xander. Xander lives in Spokane and, uh, like, uh, close to Seattle. And uh, Preston and Jimmy both live out here. And uh, Preston right now helps me with a lot of the visual effects stuff. He's uh, oh, cool. He works in After Effects as well, so he's doing, like, a lot of rotoscoping. I'm sort of mentoring him in, in how to... Uh, uh, grow his skill level in After Effects and whatnot. And then Jimmy is, uh, he oh, uh, Preston's 20, and then uh, Jimmy is 18, and he's still in high school, actually, right now. Wow. And, uh, and he's just kind of kind of our, our resident production assistant, like helps us with everything we need to do during the day, right, takes notes during meetings, um, is helping us with community engagement, uh, help, is helping us to manage our Patreon, our crowdfunding campaign. Um, so... I mean, they all, uh, uh, Xander is now editing our podcast, Hawk Talk, so. So did you reach out to these interns, um, like, knowing, like, having designated roles in mind, or did you, did they just come on and then you just kind of delegated from there? We were only looking for one. Okay, wow. And, yeah, and. Now you have three. Yeah, (laughs) and now we have three, because they were, we, honestly, like, there were a lot of people who, we, we were just offhandedly mentioned it on Hawk Talk and got a ton of emails and of uh, people wanting to uh, apply for the opportunity because we just, you know, mentioned it on Hawk Talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, we interviewed a bunch of people. We interviewed probably like 25 people. And there were so many amazing candidates, honestly. Like there was, we, me and Melissa had to, had to like narrow it down to three because we were like, look, every single one of these people brings something to the table, but these are the three that we think that. Wait, so how many did you have total or like? Before you whittled it down? Before we whittled it down. There were probably like seven or eight people okay. that we thought were like really good. And then we just kind of picked the ones that we thought um, were able to do the stuff that we needed them to do with uh, the right availability and whatnot. So again, Jimmy was local. Uh, Preston was willing to move down here. Um, and uh, and uh, Xander is just a really talented editor. Xander's only 16. Wow. Yeah, Holy and he's moly. like his his editing skills for only being 16 are impressive. I was like, dude, if I was as good as you when I was 16, I would be so much better than I am now. <laughs> so, uh That's amazing. Yeah. Well, so how does it, what was that process like of actually seeking out? Like was there an application process? Yeah. Or? Yeah, we had them send resumes and oh, wow. and we did video did, interviews. Did you like send out certain like like how did you blast out the info or how did you uh is it Twitter again? 
No, it wasn't Twitter. I think it was just on, it was just through the podcast. We just did a shout out. They sent oh, us wow. emails. And That's kind of cool. We just picked out the ones that we, like we looked at that. We said, hey, send a resume to our, our email, ismahawk at Gmail. And they sent them. And then we just reviewed all the candidates and then whittled that number down to the ones that we actually thought we could interview. And, uh, and then we did, I think, uh, several interviews uh, via... Uh, a peer in, a peer dot in. Have you seen that app? No, I haven't. It's cool. It's like a, it's like a web chat, uh, okay. based app. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we interviewed them all, all through there and and locked it up within like two weeks. That's so. super cool, especially um, navigating it through your podcast because yeah. like by doing it there, like they're your audience. Yep. So it's like like my that's that's a people smart passionate way to do it. about the brand, passionate about the work we do, who are already. You know that these are people who are already interested in what we're doing, and that's the those are the kind of people we want. Because there are a lot of people who, locally who who uh, sure. express interest in working with us, who we would love to work with. But you know, at the same time, it's like we just need to. We're constantly moving, and we're moving fast, and so it's hard to continue to uh, to uh, you know coordinate as much when everybody has such busy schedules, and right. we're trying to knock these things out on a on a more consistent basis. But we are actually going to be opening up our videos to more auditions and like have more actors oh, cool. uh able to be a part of it and you got to come back man we want to work with you I man do. we miss you i've been i've been out of it for a, a minute you've I've, been so busy i've been busy with my own uh stuff i know man and you and, know I what mean, that's, that's important I mean, going back to uh, going back again to what you just said it's like crazy with like schedules and yeah like, confl- conflicting schedules but um yeah, yeah man i've i've been i, I i've been always telling jeremy i want to do like a banger just bts video just like Chata visual style, like, bam, bam, like, oh, it would be so good, dude. It would be so good. I'm so down for that. Um, so actually, kind of, you kind of briefly mentioned it. It's like, like, what is the casting process like for kind of each of your videos? It depends um, on the video. So if it's just like a dumb YouTube video, uh, dumb YouTube video, uh, we usually just, you know, whoever whoever fits the look gets the job. Uh, at least in sure. The thing is, is it. Again, we we can't really pay anybody, any outside uh, cast or crew. So sometimes grabbing people from outside, we've had people flake on us and at the last minute or stop responding to messages yeah. and emails. And it's like, okay, well, this is kind of hard. But if we are able to cast like within and all that, then we can just, then we know that everybody is already committed. Yeah. So uh, if it's like a small YouTube video, fast turnaround, we usually don't cast from out. Uh, we usually cast from within. Um, but if it's like a big short film or a series, we'll do auditions. Like we did an audi- audition process for uh, Joker versus Joker, and uh, we weren't planning on casting Noel as the Heath Ledger Joker. Really? He, yeah, he auditioned for it like everybody else, and uh, he had the best audition, honestly. Dang. Yeah, he did so good with that role. We we're really impressed, honestly. Uh, Man, he didn't want to do it at first. Really? He didn't want to do it at first. I think yeah, I think I remember hearing that on the podcast or yeah. something. But dang. That's crazy. Um, wow. Yeah, that's cool. And that's that that video. I'm like really happy with the acting. Like our our. It's probably uh, one of my favorite videos. Yeah, thanks, man. Because I remember, I remember, I remember while we were like while like on the day, I remember just watching the monitor. Well, I was focus pulling, so I had to be watching yeah. the monitor. So I remember watching the monitor and like knowing, like thinking to myself, like holy cow. This is such a level up. Like <laughs> <laughs> maybe even a couple level ups. Like. Like this video is has so many experience points like right now that it's just like <laughs> ging 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 and it's like 
That was a fun video to make, man. And uh, our our actress who played Harley Quinn, I wish we could have given her a bigger role because she is incredible. So good. Incredible. Charlie Starling, she is unbelievable and uh, does just the perfect uh, Harley Quinn. I just cast her and stuff if you guys are making videos out there cast her and stuff trust me your content will be elevated because of her talent it's wild it's it's wild what like good acting will do for like uh, yeah who would have thought who would have thought who would have thought <laughs> uh actually jeremy could you check that you should be but in the event that it's not still good still going oh cool dude this is already the longest one oh, dude i'm we still got to, dude. Okay. I want to talk about the vlog. Okay. So your guys' vlog is so characteristically distinct and like visually spectacular. Really? Yes. Huh. Like it's probably one of the most high quality vlogs I've ever seen. And, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's tough because there's so like YouTube is almost the vlogging. It's like the platform for vlogging. And like yeah. so many people are getting into the vlogging. But, like, obviously, people like us have a leg up because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. But, like, the quality of the vlogs is just out of this world. <laughs> I remember it was the first couple episodes I was watching. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, Thanks, man. Uh, dude, it, it looks so good. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to get your guys' like insight on, like, why pursue that avenue? Like, was there anything specific? Was it, like, recent trends that kind of guys got you guys into vlogging? Um, I feel like it was the need to get people to know us better as people and not as a brand. Interesting. Because it's, I feel like we've talked about this before where people support people, not corporations or brands. People don't support, yeah, you know, a right. company. They sure. support a person that they know, you know? Yeah. And, and it's much easier to do when you, have, when you put yeah. a name to a face. Yeah, exactly. And like people's who support like these legions of fans on YouTube for all these other content creators support them is because... They watch their vlogs regularly and kind of like know them as people, you know, like mm. it feels like the audience knows them personally is because you watch all of these vlogs back to back all the time, always keeping up to date with the content. And some of these plugs get or these vlogs get personal, you know, so it feels like the audience member knows you personally through that. And they're more willing to support these people because of, you know, knowing who they are. So I feel like that's how we started the vlogs in the first place. It's really cool. Yeah. People need to know us. Um, so when you guys set out, so, okay, you guys are, is, is the pre-production process any different from, from that between your other YouTube videos? Like, is there a distinction between that? Like, how, how does that work? Uh, somewhat. I feel like a lot of the creative styling you see in the vlogs is because Noel is the one who uh, is, was in charge of that, producing gotcha. that. Yeah, Noel Shefflin, one of our, um, one of the main four guys, I guess. Uh, at Ismahawk, he is a writer and actor. You've seen him in like Flash versus Quicksilver, Joker, Joker versus, versus Joker. Joker. Yeah, as the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, and Noel, he has a very distinct style compared to all of us. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and we started like as he was talking, and because I talk to Noel all the time about like producing and shooting uh, just our original stuff and things like that, and he kind of drew influence from those things and brought it over to the vlogs. Where it's it's his own distinctive style and that's really cool. Yeah, especially yeah. within the brand of Ismahawk, it's really kind of cool for him to for Noel to have that avenue to kind of 
have his own voice. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, and, you know, I mean, you could tell just by even watching the podcast that mm-hmm. each four of you guys have a very distinct, you know, personality mm-hmm. and very distinct things that you guys just offer to the table. And, like, you can see that come through with, like, you know, the bigger projects that you do. But mm-hmm. it's cool to see, like, once we dive into, like, the smaller projects, like, the very individualized, like, vlogs. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's, I, yeah, almost it does really show. It looks different. It shot different. It's it's so different. It from, flows differently. Like me, I like to be honest. I don't like vlogs. Like I yeah. hate vlogs. I I on, I'll only watch vlogs if I like one like the content. Two like kind of know the people. Mm-hmm. But if it's you know, it's hard because it's a very popular thing that people do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Vlogging, um, and it's it's a really cool avenue to kind of have your own voice. But it's it's hard because not a lot of people are effective at telling a good story mm-hmm. and I feel like that's where we excel. I'm not saying like we're great storytellers or anything like sure. that. Like, but we ha- bring that perspective of storytelling. Like, yeah. we make like that's narrat- what we do. Yeah. You know? That is what we do. Like we tell narratives and we bring that aspect to the vlogs, which is call it vlogs because that's the trendy term now, mm-hmm. but it's still but, that style. I mean, it yeah. It's that still, style, but it's just a much, much higher. Yeah, in, I'd in, even call it like it's more of a short documentary film. Yeah, short like doc. Like yeah. each episode is a short doc. Mm-hmm. That's how it's formatted. That's, a, that's how we think of it too. That's a really interesting way to approach that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're and, actually gonna kind of lean into that more in the future and uh, and try to still maintain that same stylistic perspective mm-hmm. that Noel has has. Uh, created and brought to the table for the vlogs, his unique vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell a tell the the more personal aspects and actually shed a lot, show like shine a light on what does go on behind the scenes. We just had a major mm-hmm. opportunity uh, a couple of like uh, about a month ago. We got approached about this, uh, or maybe two months ago, like February. We got a early February. We got approached with this really really dope opportunity to do this really dope project for this really big brand. And uh, what we wanted to do was try to document the entire thing as it happened. And the thing totally fell through. As we know these things happen working in film, uh, no big deal, no hard feelings. But it would have been such an awesome thing to have captured all of that Mm -hmm. on camera and then show our audience that, hey, like this is what it's like working in this medium that sometimes we're going to win and sometimes we're going to lose, but we're not going to give up and show that perspective while showing the the you know stylistic presentation of the vlog so that's mm-hmm. kind of uh what we're moving towards really cool. in the mm-hmm. future and yeah, it's exciting that's baller yeah <laughs> i another youtube filmmaker uh, creator i follow is, is craig adams he he kind of headed up the wedding film school and now he's kind of doing his own thing but he had a he had this really great interesting insight on vlogs and um, in terms of like goal setting, mm-hmm. um, whereas like a lot of people now, like when they're first starting out, like I want to do a vlog. Okay, cool. And they'll just document like instead of mm-hmm. instead of setting a goal, once you set goals, you instantly set expectations. And by the end of that vlog, did you meet that expectation? Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of creators, they'll just document just like, okay, well, I'm yeah, just it's like, hey, I'm not doing anything. I'm doing this today. Yeah. And, Let's go to the store. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's you know going on at six p.m. Day but, in the life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a day in the life of. That's not how we view vlogs, mm-hmm. and it's something that we kind of picked up uh, talking to different people, like with successful vlogs that are in our kind of wheelhouse, our style, like specifically um, Quarter Digital, um, who are our friends now, which is yeah. crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Carmichael, the guy who does all of their vlogs. Yeah, there he used to do it. It's 
it was called corridor every day. Yeah. Now it's corridor every other every day. day yeah. But uh, I love man, I love that channel. <laughs> yeah, I love that channel. And the Same. way that the thing that he told me when we were just talking is, um, for every vlog, make sure you have a narrative thread. Like, make sure you have a goal. Like, uh, for this vlog, and it might not even be a vlog where. Oh, today we're going to do this. This is our goal, so we're going to film it for the day, and that episode is for that day. But they film so much content over the course of a month right. that all of the vlogs kind of weave together, and so they'll cut it almost like a sitcom TV where mm. you have these group of characters doing their own thing, which, you know, group of people doing their own right, right, project, right, right. and then they, they just interweave yep. the storylines together into each episode. And so, like, he's filming content for multiple vlogs at one time. And the way that he organizes it is find a narrative thread through each one of those stories. Like, okay, so this person has to do this at the bank today, and then this person has to do this uh, visual effect. And so throughout the week, he'll film both of them and then interweave them together. As and, you know, those lines. are those in itself are goals. Like, is yeah. there, like, are you going to be able to pull off this visual effect or, you know, exactly. X, Y, Z. And I think, I mean, if you, if you do want to do the vlog style of just documenting, I mean, I mean, that's fine too, but I think if you really want to get a leg up and like, mm-hmm. just make your, I think it, it's really all about engagement and like, yeah, create like creating engaging content is like creating compelling content. Like I'm compelled to watch, like it'll make more people mm-hmm. interested in watching it. And that's where one thing that I think that you guys would like kind of really do well with your guys' vlog is like, there's a, there's a goal in each vlog. Mm-hmm. There's like a specific goal, a specific expectation. And at the end, like, Dude, I freaking loved when the the scenes where like the AC went out. Dude, those oh, were man. so good. They're so stylish. Yeah. They're so stylish. And like we um, had just watched Sunshine. Oh and my god! <laughs> yeah, definitely played a little part in that. Yeah, definitely. Dude. Like it's funny because you'll see you'll watch our videos and you kind of notice certain things that we'll try out specifically just because we saw something at sure, the time. Yeah, that kind of that's influenced a, that's us. That's cool. That's cool. And then you you know it's a vlog. You can you know it's a good time to experiment with yeah, you know exactly. sp- you know different effects that mm-hmm. you you maybe don't want to, you know, rely on yeah. in, in bigger projects. But Casey Neistat did a video on how to vlog and he goes over the same exact points. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's definitely the same. Setting, I think setting expectations is, is, is a really good way to make, you know, especially, especially now, like with the YouTube thing and like, you need so many watch hours, like mm-hmm. keeping people yeah. engaged and keeping people watching your videos. Mm-hmm. Like, like people, people will stay watching your video if, they have expectations in mind. Like, are you going to fit? Th- are you going to meet this goal? Yeah. By the end of the video. So I think, you know, that's, I, I, I don't know. I just love your guys' vlogs. You guys need to do more of them. I think they're coming uh, back. They're coming yeah. back soon. We're I promise. I, I think uh, the Camp Rhino one is probably my favorite one, but I'm also a little bit biased. Dude, Camp I Rhino is my favorite Camp one. Too. It's just so good. Yeah. It's so good. Still need to get you guys to come out and do CrossFit, CrossFit class. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Wait, we're going to do it. <laughs> okay. So this Super Smash thing that yeah. we were just talking about, yes. we. Uh, Noel, Tony, and me are all going to be in it, and we all have fitness goals that we need to hit. There I need go. to pack on weight. Uh, Tony needs to pack on size, and Noel wants to cut. So maybe, uh, maybe this is the perfect you opportunity. Dude, you guys aren't ready for this video. <laughs> you guys aren't ready. <laughs> this is a, an insane idea we've been wanting to do for right. so long. So ridiculous, come but on, it's gonna be fun. Come on yeah. back to Camp Ryan. I'll start yep. training. Let's do it, man. I'm training with you. Oh, that's yeah. that's crazy, man. I think Jeremy, you did a warm up one time. I you, did. You thought it was the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I pulled <laughs> something. I think. 
Oh shit! Yeah. I oh, think well, you are. You're also in je- your jeans too. Like yeah, my probably, jeans definitely play into it. I shouldn't have worn jeans. Probably not the best garb for a, a CrossFit woman. I think it was just a just a barbell, just cycling. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> I love CrossFit. Uh, I mean, especially now. You know, I tell this to everyone. Like a lot of people bad mouth cross. A lot of people hate. Like a lot of CrossFit is like the one thing that people love hating on. But it's like. You know, at the end of the day, like DC Comics, everybody yeah, loves hating on that you too. Know, it's, it's like people people go out of their way to hate, yeah, you know, hate on it. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the end of the day, you know, it you know it helps better my life, and especially now with all our equipment, you know, all this stuff's getting heavier. It's not getting yeah. lighter, yeah. so it helps with carrying stuff, loading stuff, you know. And so, anyways, gotta get you guys to come out camp. That'll be yeah. that'll be another cool vlog. For sure, is my yeah. crew tries CrossFit Let's live stream it. Oh my yes. god! Yes, yes, I'm uh, totally like done. full production live stream. See, will... Tony will do fine. He's already done CrossFit in the past. Oh yeah, it's me, you, and Noel that I'm worried about. Oh yeah, <laughs> I will. Oh, man. I will head that up. I will, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm the first person in line. So I'm um, going back to the the vlog. Were there any discussions on the visual look of the vlog? Because like like I said, it's so visually spectacular. Oh yeah. What kind of discussions were there? Kind of planning that. I feel like it was mainly between me and Noel since I was the one shooting it and he was the creative producer for the vlog. So mm-hmm. Noel also edits, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he edits now because of yeah. the vlogs. He learned how to edit, which is awesome that we can call him an editor because for the longest time, he was just an actor, writer, and yeah. like creative Kind of producer. expanding mm-hmm. you know, yeah. your, your net of responsibility. Yeah, that's, yeah, good. that's exactly. Good. And now he edits. Um, he edits the vlog specifically because it's his creative style and vision that he sees in his head, which... He is a huge 30 Seconds to Mars fan, and a lot of it is Dude. based off of Jared Leto's oh, yeah. is like creative styling and look, too. So if you guys watch Jared Leto's stuff, if you watch like 30 Seconds to Mars stuff, very him, he, our vlogs are heavily influenced by that. That's cool. Yeah. Everything's a remix, man. You see something that you love, you implement it mm-hmm. into your own. Get influenced yeah. by it, yeah. create your own voice. Create yeah, your own exactly. voice. Like, yeah. And that was just our spin on it, mm-hmm. our vlogs. That is awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, so I want to talk about, um, kind of getting a little technical, did some snooping on your Instagram. You, okay. you guys did a, you guys had a post where you guys were having a meeting in front of the whiteboard. looks like you guys are making, you're planning on making some upgrades to your guys's tech, specifically in the camera department. Okay. I saw on the board, you guys had written down. Oh yeah. On the board. <laughs> Red Raven slash FS7. I don't know if that's changed since then, but I was wondering what your it's thoughts on. around. Yeah. What your thoughts on in terms of upgrading in the camera department, like. Are you guys still looking at those systems? Are you looking at another system? And maybe uh, the reasons behind going that specific route? Um, We're still looking at those two systems just because I'm familiar with shooting Sony sensors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I shoot with your FS7 sure, a lot. Yeah. Uh, work with them all the time. Yeah. S- especially S-Log. You're so super comfortable. And, oh, yeah. I'm super comfortable in S-Log. And it takes a while to learn how to... Yeah, it takes... <laughs> it takes guys, a minute. It, it's a, Sony is a deep learning curve, guys. Yeah. But, like, totally worth it. Yeah, totally worth it once you get through, like, that major curve. But <laughs> literally, that's the long curve. <laughs> Getting over that curve. Um, but I have an A7S II that I work on, on a lot. So it was either upgrade to an FS7, a used FS7, or a Red Raven package. And, you know, when you boil it down, a tool is just a tool. A camera is yeah. just a tool, right? Yeah. So, but for our workflow, like... Between those two packages, I can go either way. Like honestly, at at this point, anything works. I was just specifically looking at those because those are the two systems I'm most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, Sony, like A7S2, is great. 
but we're doing a lot of content in a very fast turnaround and sometimes it's just yeah harder totally. to work with and it's not totally. like it's not able to keep up with our production needs so fsm will fill those needs um red raven will also fill those needs yeah red raven would also fill those needs and i'm specifically looking at like red packages not because oh it's like battle tested and it's tactical matte black and stuff like that Ugh. fuck yeah red <laughs> no it's just a tool and we get like ham on it all the time did i it's you know it's, it's funny because a lot of my followers like a lot of my instagram friends like people i don't know like, yeah. I've, like I've only met on instagram they know me and like i've seen that they started saying it in their stories and like they know me for saying, is that a red? You know. Oh my it's god, kind of that's brilliant! I like kind of have my own little brand. Yeah, like, people start picking up on that too. Like people also say to me, "Is that a red? Is that a red?" Like jokingly because they know me and know you. Yeah. But like <laughs> for the people who don't, like there's still a good number of people out there who see our posts, like literally. Yeah, and think, is I get that, that too. Red? Especially new followers too. Like yeah, you know, I'm getting a little bit of traction, so I'm, I'm getting new followers, yeah. and then. And then it's funny because like the people that were kind of poking fun, like it's in good fun, but like the people that we do poke fun at are the people who start commenting or like seeing yeah. our stuff. But like red is just a tool. It's just another yeah. camera. And it's like the hype name at the moment, but people just are familiar with that. So they see a big beefy camera and they're that, like, that must be a red. See that red oh, logo. So every big camera, yeah. every big camera is a red now. Okay. I'm sure That's people just, just don't know the, yeah. the product. No, I, I know for sure. Cause like, if you're not, a cinematographer, then how would you know? Yeah. You know? Right. So I get it. It's fine. But because we're shooting on a red right now, right? That's yeah. a red. Yeah, that's a it red. It is a red. That's the smallest red yeah. I've ever this seen. This is actually <laughs> also a red. I was just pointing it for, you know, reference. He just said A7. Yeah. That, that's just its uh, alien, It's code name. It's a prototype right now. Yeah. It's a prototype red. <laughs> this is a red. That's a red. That's, that's, that's a red. red. <laughs> <laughs> that's a red. These are red lenses. You know, it's These funny. My my uh, One of my Instagram friends that who lives in, uh, I think, Kansas, he just sold his FS7 because we were FS7 buddies. Like we were known. Yeah. He sold his FS7. He new post out today, holding out his new Scarlet W brain. <laughs> and I commented, "Oh shit! Is that a red? <laughs> Game over, boys. It's actually a red. That's an actual red. He <laughs> actually got a red. red. Yeah, I just love poking fun at it. But um, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, you know, they're all you yeah, know, they're all tools. It doesn't you know, mm-hmm. like Roger Deakins, he he shooting on an iPhone if he had to. It's like it really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just you know different I mean, it's tools. Just he shoots airy everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Which is where I want to get at. Hey, Ari, send us a camera. Yeah, Thanks. that would be great if you want a cool review. Snayhall, I know you're not working at Ari anymore. <laughs> you but send, I know you're still buddies. Want to send me an Amira? You know, that'd be great. Alexa <laughs> um, Mini too. But uh, just send us the cheapest one that you have. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, that's just still like twenty thousand dollars. It's, like yeah. it's, it's collecting some dust. It's still kind of old. You need to get rid of it. Just send it's it over to us. We'll yeah. handle it. Don't worry about it. If it's broken, it. don't worry. Like I'll fix it up. We'll fix it. It's fine. <laughs> just send it to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in terms of like upgrading, like, what are you are you guys looking for? Anything uh, specifically? Like, like, why I'm in like the Sony or Red? Um, like, well, it like no matter the camera system, what are you looking for specifically that will help you with your guys's production? Got it. Um, man, there are so many different variables that I think about all the time. Uh, but since we are in kind of the visual effects type videos. Like, we do a lot of visual effects. We do a lot of post stuff that are more demanding. Than we do a lot of post stuff. We do a lot Every of video has post. Like, well, obviously, but I mean, yeah. the effects. Yeah, like, it, like, visual effects specifically. Yeah. And just, like, because we're in that wheelhouse, I'm looking for um, not necessarily just, like, the highest resolution sensors possible, but sensors that have 
good color rendition or a color science that I can work with easily mm -hmm. and convert to other formats, shooting at least 10-bit internal because of all the visual effects post stuff. Or in the case of red, you're shooting 12-bit raw, raw, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and even with the Sony FS7, you get the extension unit. You can shoot 12-bit raw mm -hmm. output to my Shogun Flame. Yeah. It's uh, always wild, a wild, because I've actually been using my 6500 a lot more for professional gigs as like a B cam, or if I don't want to yeah. bust out my, F my FS7, it's, it's beefy AF, and sometimes yeah. I don't always want to bust that, so I'll use my 6500. But the difference when I bring those two footage in, in post is mm -hmm. it's night and day that what I'm able to do. Oh, in, yeah, with for this sure. 10-bit color. Yeah, same thing with the A7S2, this right. red. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 8-bit internal and only 8-bit output, even though it's a 4K sensor. Sure. it Like, the 8-bit definitely kills me yeah. when it comes to post and you, stuff. It def yeah, you definitely see a difference. And, yeah. like, especially... You know, for those for those of you listening who who do have an APIC camera, it's like it's not the end of the world. But no, like whenever you do, like the notice is definitely no, it's definitely noticeable whenever you do get the chance to work. Yeah, with higher like, quality footage. If we're going out and filming the vlogs, for example, which I would still probably use the FS7 or Red for, but like this, the A7S2 is fine. Eight bit is fine. We're not doing crazy stuff sure. for the vlogs. If we're just filming what's there, you know. Um, so it's kind of like a what you see is what you get. If you're shooting for what you see, what you get, eight bit is perfectly fine. Yeah. And the trend on YouTube is just, you know, posting stuff in 4K uh, just because, like, people specifically search for 4K vlogs and yeah. 4K videos yeah. to watch on mm -hmm. YouTube. So we just started publishing everything in 4K yeah. 4K at that point. On It's crazy how that's, like, kind of slowly becoming a standard. Yeah, like, and even know. though it's not necessary, it's completely not necessary at all. Mm. Like, HD is perfectly fine, but, like, that's where the trend is going. And we usually, like, we're in a we're on a platform that grows with the trends that sure, ebbs absolutely. and flows with it. So we have to kind of keep up with it, Ugh. whether we want to or not, you know? My computer just cannot yeah. handle the where's visual your 5K? effects on where's 4K. Your, where's your iMac Pro? It's, yeah, right? You got to get I my know. hands on that iMac Pro. Right, man. and it kills storage. Dude, kills oh storage. My, I'm, I'm actually out. I'm I, My 12-bay NAS and my... Yeah. My, all the bays are full. Damn. It's, I'm, I am only a couple, like one or two terabytes... Probably away from yeah. I'm going through like a five terabyte hard drive a month, yeah, or every other month. You know, so it's crazy. I need to start it. And that's with me, like yeah. deleting raw footage. I hate deleting See, raw I, footage. I, yeah, I don't do that at all. And it's like, oh yeah, like I'm at a point like I can't keep affording hard drives, so I have to delete raw footage. I can't keep them. That's crazy. Which sucks because if we ever want to go back to those videos, it's gonna be a lot harder. But yeah. you know, what can you do? Cool. Move on. You move on. That's crazy. Um, yeah. so uh, kind of moving forward. Um. And kind of wrapping up the whole Ismahawk deal, what have been some of your favorite Ismahawk experiences you've had? Any any kind of distinct ones that kind of pop out in your mind? I don't know. Everything. Everything we've done so far. You know, every single video is a story. Every single video is an adventure that we had yeah. to experience. Every single video had struggles, trials, and tribulations. Every single video challenged us in new ways. Not, I mean, that I can pull amazing experiences from, I think, every single one of them, really, honestly. Uh, some, of, some of our favorite, though. I mean, working on Nightwing the series was awesome, and it was probably one of the best experiences of my life because it was... It was a it was a series. It was a show. It was a narrative. That was the dream project. We did the yeah. dream project first yeah, before the anything first else. First one. Yeah. Holy cow! Get yeah. that out of the way. So you see what he 
what we have planned. That's crazy. Next. That's crazy. You know, last night I watched Breach. Oh, oh man. That all, that all got mad. Uh, <laughs> man. 48 hour film. It is so cool to see like how it's so <laughs> awesome to see like how you guys have progressed and like how yeah. your work has progressed. But at the same time, like I watched Breach and there's just so some there's just so like something so innocent about like you guys were all young. You guys yeah. were just doing it because you had the passion for it. Like money wasn't really involved. Like crew wasn't really in the question. What crew? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for coming out. Yeah, we literally had uh, the same actors who were like in the video were the same actors who were like the thugs getting killed. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like everybody has multiple that's jobs why they and all roles. Wear masks. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, man. And there, there was little to no expectations. And like at the core of it, you guys are just doing it just because just to do it. Yeah. And there's something so innocent about that. And I, I don't know. I watched Breach and I was like, dang, this is I freaking love this. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so I really appreciated that. It was just like straight up, just raw passion. Yeah. Um. So are there any like cool projects you guys like? I know you guys mentioned the the Super Smash Brothers thing. Or is there anything else you guys are able to talk about? Uh, working on this little Dragon Ball video. It's nothing big. It's like 45 seconds, and uh, it's sort of an inside joke for anybody who's ever seen Dragon Ball Z. Um, so we were working on that. We're working. We've been working on one short film uh, since August. Since before August, we shot it in August. Uh, I probably wrote the script a few months before. Do you guys have like monthly deadlines you want to hit, or like how does it? Do you have like goals you set? Like how do you manage goals? Oh, this video should have been out like last year, but visual effects and CGI. Uh, CGI, I'm, I don't do 3D modeling or animation, so we have to outsource for that, and it definitely takes a little longer. Sure. That's the video I'm most excited about for this year, and I don't want to give anything away just yet because I, it might be four or five months before it comes out mm -hmm. because especially since it's taken this long to do, I want to make sure that it is as perfect it's and cool right. and interesting and fun as people are expecting, but it is a short film, which I'm excited about. Yeah. This is the first, like... Short film we've done. That's cool. That's like an actual, just a short film. Not an action scene. No. Not an action scene. No gimmicks. Mm -hmm. Like first person Iron Man was the, the drone gimmick. It's not a, a versus battle. It was just a, a short film that it, that we were really excited about and passionate about. It really personally speaks to my, my childhood. So there's a lot of nostalgia there for me. Uh, and I think a lot of the crew felt that as well. And, uh, and yeah, so this one's going to be really exciting. That's really cool. So, um, so I, I really want to briefly just hit the podcast, like yeah. your guys' podcast. The set is a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> really? <laughs> what was the design and build process like? So you guys obviously revamped. It's like, it's like a Hawk Talk yeah. 2.0 kind of. Yeah. Obviously yeah. you built this like incredible like wooden set. What was the design and build process like? Um, it was a lot of thinking on my part and honestly the longest part of the process was the thinking part about it like the build process was maybe two weeks uh yeah a week and a half two weeks over wow. the course for the whole thing yeah for the whole thing it's actually fairly simple if you just break it down to the regular pieces like it's just a bunch of planks that you sanded and stained and then i just mm -hmm. uh put it up on the wall but yeah like getting the wood paneling is the I thought was the cheapest way you can get something to look the best because it doesn't have to be completely perfect and it'll still look good. Everything else, if you want to use different types of materials, it has to be like really refined for it to look good and not sloppy work. Thing with wood is it 
looks good when it's rustic almost, you mm-hmm. know? So that's what was why the, I chose that. What was the driving force behind the revamp of the podcast? Just needed a refresh. Just needed a quick yeah, refresh. Yeah, because um, we were getting to a Command point R. where it was just like we were talking about the same things over and over again on every single episode, so we wanted to change up the format. Change it up? Yeah, nice. and the even the audience who was who were watching it kind of felt that it was starting to drag a little just because like we were talking about the same things over and over and over again. You know? So was it kind of is it, was that also the reason behind why you changed up the schedule? Cuz now it's like a lot of now it's like th- what three mm-hmm. mini episodes and then the full one at the on, yeah. at the end of the week. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Is that so that's same reasoning? And predominantly mm-hmm. because the way that we format the the show now is we get, have our audience send us the questions that they want to hear us talk about right. and then uh we'll shoot uh, multiple episodes out at once and then release them. And the thing is, is like as much as we would love to like do the like the daily topics and stuff like that and have it be more uh, timely, I suppose, uh, we just we don't want to be professional podcasters. Sure. We want to be professional filmmakers and the podcast is taking too much time oh, out of okay. the thing that we want to do, love to do and need to do. You know, mm-hmm. like if we're too worried about finishing up the podcast, then how are we going to be able to finish yeah, the short films? Your priorities are or yeah. 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 Or it would be a little bit off. Yeah. Which every week on Mondays we have Ismahawk Day where everyone on the team who's working on something meets here at the house and we just have a production meeting and everyone works on the thing here yeah. as a group. That's awesome. Uh, which helps a lot with communication because everyone is already here. Yeah, and it's nice having a dedicated space to do all mm-hmm. that together. Yeah, it's like exactly. collectively together. Yeah. You know? And before, when we were doing the old format of the podcast, most of that day on Mondays were dedicated to filming the podcast instead of actually working on other stuff. So now we have a separate scheduled day to film like four or five episodes at a time. And just that day, that's all we do. And that way, every single week when we have our production days, we have so much more time to do everything else that we That's need awesome. to do. So, how has feedback been with the revamp and like the new schedule? Like, how how are how's the audience? It's awesome so far. It? People like it. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not, it's a refreshing change, and that most people, I'd say, they like the the change in pacing. So, tell me this. I'm 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 actually a little bit curious because I'm just slowly getting into it. Mm-hmm. Where do you get the biggest percentage of your guys' listens? Or watches? Is it on YouTube or is it on iTunes? Like, how how do you guys? Uh... It's about fifty fifty. Really? You know? Yeah. Uh, it might like the view count is a little odd now. Sure, cause because it's like split up. Yeah, yeah, because some people just watch. Like, what we wanted to do with the daily episodes is like we want people to be able to click on topics that they're actually interested in listening to, and not be forced to listen to everything. The and whole that's why the thing yeah and search yeah right exactly. sure yeah, yeah. some yeah. people just want to hear our opinion on one specific topic. That's, you know, that's one thing I noticed too when I was kind of doing pre-production too. Like each episode was like very like I just read the title. It's very concise. Okay, I know this is about this. Oh, I want to talk about this. I'm going to click on this one. You know, yeah, it's kind of a good way to segment and kind yeah. of. Yeah, and we've moved the podcast around several times, like from the main channel, the Ismok channel, to our secondary channel, the mm-hmm. Ismok TV channel. Mm-hmm. And now it's definitely made it a lot cleaner separating the two sure. types of content. Um, but like our the views also don't like they don't fully reflect all the audiences view count i guess is one way to put it like because mm-hmm. we've changed around things so much they're kind of a little spread out right now it's just it just takes time to build back up gotcha That's yeah it. growing pains you know interesting cool so um one of the last topics i have is just kind of about the adsense policy and all the demonetization waves oh, that are man. going around so i'm wondering has 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 all of this has all has youtube's policy kind of has that affected you guys at all 
the new changes, like the new structural changes, like uh, or like just demonetizing videos. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Like, cause I know, like, cause their algorithm just kind of it almost just hits people in waves and yeah. just for like nonsensical reasons. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, yeah. what what have your guys' experiences been with that? Uh, well, uh, they single handedly crippled the channel for about seven months. Yep, and we're still building back up, and we're building back up, and it's affected everyone, everyone. including the top channels. Yeah. Um, we're at a point where we're in a very like weird spot where we're like a a mid sized channel. We're not small, so we're not affected by the uh, by that like four thousand hour rule. Sure, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a lot. That's of it's a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. But ultimately, I know a lot of people uh, are really upset about this, and it's going to piss a lot of people off. And I totally understand because this is a lot of people's dream and passion. But like when we first started on YouTube, we had to work really hard to become partners. Like we had to bust our ass to totally. to get to that point. And so like with having people earn their way, it's like, yeah, it sucks that it's not handed out from the get-go, especially when it what when the when it was established that that's the thing and you just took that away from people cuz that's not cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like the end result of that happening might end up benefiting everyone in the long run. And I, I'm trying to be optimistic about it because we haven't seen any positive changes from it. I'm just hoping that Growing a bunch pains. Yeah, I'm hoping a bunch of people didn't get screwed over for no reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like eventually this will benefit a lot of people. The demonetization did hit us hard, but the thing is the demonetization didn't just hit us in the AdSense area, because the, what a lot of people don't know is that it's not just the AdSense that's getting screwed when they demonetize your video. That sometimes is like they the probably, least yeah. important part of yeah. the demonetization aspect. What happens when they demonetize you is you drop in the algorithm because now they start flagging your video as unsafe. So two of our biggest videos were flagged, and the AdSense is not even a question. It doesn't matter. But what mattered was Flash versus Quicksilver was averaging 400,000 views a month, and the first episode of Nightwing was averaging like uh, a couple hundred thousand views a month, and both of those videos dropped down to like 2,000 views a month. And uh, I remember seeing, like, I can show you our analytics. It was literally like up here, and then it just dropped. Dropped. Yeah, like vertical line dropped. I need to get that graphic. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how uh, how I knew something was wrong. And then finally, they allowed you to contest. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Submit a. Yeah, when they demonetize, they don't tell you. Yeah. You have to find out. Yeah, no way. Yeah, no way. So that's happened happened to me, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Did you guys ever find out why? It's just just their algorithm. So there are are keywords that if you have in your description, uh, like death or stuff, anything like that, they'll just flag you automatically and mm-hmm. it's <laughs> it's and it guilty sucks. before proven innocent exactly that type of thing you know that happened to me with like my cart review my innovative cart review i don't understand how the <laughs> heck it was flagged for do you want i mean oh, i gosh I, I, interesting I, I obviously went through with the review but like like if your algorithm is flagging my cart review like yeah what, like, they also uh, scan your audio track too yeah keywords so what am i <laughs> Expensive, like I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyways, there's always these red like keywords that throw up a red flag. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I and just, so the plan for us moving forward is we're going to upload the video a week in advance, and oh. then wait for them to demonetize it. Then like unlisted or unlisted, and then re- request a review, and then uh, unprivate. And the, the annoying thing is that's not always an option. Like Wonder Woman versus Thor, that video has one of the least amount of views uh, 
compared to the rest of our matchups. And it got flagged right away. It got flagged at a pivotal time. And I don't want to make excuses and say that's the reason why it didn't get views because, hey, maybe people just don't like it. And that's okay, too. Yeah. But we got flagged on the second day, which is pivotal for the video because the video's growth was consistent and right. then all of a sudden it got flagged and then it just stopped appearing in people's Man. uh suggestions it stopped appearing as mm. and so like the video's uh views just stopped so have we been affected yes we haven't been affected as badly as other people but we are most certainly building ourselves yeah. back up from from where we were and we're definitely not where we were before but you know what we're gonna work our asses off and we're gonna get there That's because cool. this is the way it is That's awesome. Yeah, man, it's 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 crazy. You know, I I'm I'm I've obviously kind of been focusing on putting out more YouTube content, and I was one of those channels that got that got hit with the, the four thousand hour watch thing. Yeah, and you know, at the you know, on one hand, like I totally get it. Like I wasn't even making enough money anyway to even cash out. Like part part of that, it's not even it's not even about the money. Like I'm lucky enough to where I have a job where I can produce creative content, and mm-hmm. that. I've another means to make a living. Yeah. You know, I'm just doing YouTube just because it's fun for me and it's, mm-hmm. it's cool to do. Creative so, outlet. you know, as long and like a lot of people, I think lose sight of that. And like, as long as your passion's there, then, you know, who cares? Like I kind of, I kind of approach it with, with money out of the question, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and almost kind of doing what, like what you guys are doing, like kind of just building that, you know, community. I think mm-hmm. that's really cool what you guys yeah. have done. But uh, anyway, that's pretty much of, of, of what I have. Um, really quick, one can I just say one last thing on yeah. that? If you're just starting to make a YouTube channel because you're trying to get rich or make a lot of money, uh, you know, and be famous and stuff, you're getting into it for the wrong reasons, and the chances there there's a very good chance that you will not be successful if you're not being truthful to yourself creatively, and you're not being trying to make legitimate work that you just you know, if your intentions aren't, I don't know, uh, if you don't have the right intentions, then you're not going to be successful because you're not looking at things the right way. Yeah. You know, it takes a different perspective. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let the money come with the work, put in the work and the money will come. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. That's what There's I've learned a in market experience. for everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, and if you're not truthful to yourself, creatively and if you keep doing something just for the trend of it you're gonna get burned out yeah. real quick yeah absolutely you know I, I, like, I like what you said like let the money come yeah after the like after you had the fact of enjoying like what you're doing mm-hmm. like enjoy what you're doing period and do it just because you enjoy it not because of the money mm-hmm. and then the money like we said earlier icing on the cake mm-hmm. exactly the money will come if you just you know build it and and they will come like cliche for a reason but yeah. we we followed our creative truth and made yeah. Nightwing because that's what we wanted to do yeah. creatively, and our audience was receptive. Mm-hmm. And there are videos that we've made that we weren't super passionate about, and the views and the and the engagement sometimes reflect that. And you can kind of tell that we were super passionate about Deadpool versus Deadpool and Flash versus Quicksilver. Those are some of our favorite videos, and they've done the best. Mm-hmm. So I think the bottom line is just yeah, for creators out there, do what you want to make what you want to make what you would want to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just let everything else happen. That's yeah. exactly what I do, yeah. That yeah. being said, you also have to know how to play your cards right. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's the one thing I think you've kind of really kind of opened my eyes to is that, especially with like the video IQ and kind of knowing what people want to see and mm-hmm. make that content, but also, you know, along with yeah. how you guys produce Ismaha mm-hmm. content, 
cross-reference that with the stuff that you want to make with what people want to yeah, see. Yeah, it's like a Venn diagram, which we right. drew on our boards and our things, by the way. Like, it helps to visualize it in a, get a Venn diagram. Get a whiteboard, guys. Get a whiteboard. Get a f- big white piece white- of paper. If you don't have it, get some chalk and go out on the sidewalk, you know? <laughs> like, use what you have. So you have your resources and what, and what you have to work with. That's like a Venn diagram. And then on your circles, write down what you want to do and how they all relate to each other and see where it overlaps. And where that overlap happens is where you kind of want to be. That's your niche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you guys are obviously a very successful, uh, a pretty successful YouTube channel. What kind of bits of advice can you offer to a small YouTube creator like me to help grow their channel? Go ahead. Uh, one. Stay consistent. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Number one rule. The thing Consistency that the, is key. The yep. rule that we break on a regular basis that we're trying to start I, I, doing more is yeah. being consistent. Be consistent because the algorithm rewards consistency. Mm-hmm. Find a niche. Uh, sometimes a niche audience is going to be a great way to build yourself up. So for you in, in your circumstance, you're already you already have a solid niche sure. in that you're appealing to the film production community. This is already going to start grabbing people yeah. to to they're going to start migrating toward you. And understand that if you try to break out of that niche, that's something that you can do, but your it's audience may punish hard, you yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So And I think Jer- growing pains Jeremy, out. you you mentioned that too like especially kind of um like with, uh, I, I think your Instagram following, mm-hmm. it's like um, a lot of a lot of your following on Instagram is kind of from Instagram or from the channel. Yeah. So it's hard to post other stuff that oh, you know, yeah. doesn't relate to that. So absolutely, mm-hmm. you that's that. why you notice like whenever I post photography of uh, the guys on the team, it always does way better than when posting pictures of other right, people. Right, right. Yeah. There. I yeah. actually I was just kind of a, a tangent. I follow uh, this model that that we have worked together oh, with. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I think it was on, you know, Mother's Day or something. She posted a picture of her when she was a little kid with her mom. Yeah. And this girl has probably like 50,000 or like 100,000 followers. Mm-hmm. That post got like 100 or 200 likes. Dang. It was wild. That's Whoa. savage. Because she's Whoa. a model. She posts yeah. modeling pictures usually. Yeah, yeah. But if it's just a family photo. Yeah. It's funny because yeah. I posted a picture that I took of her and that got like 200 and some likes. Post a picture of Ange, uh, just one that I took, and it gets eight hundred. Dang, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, definitely appealing to that certain niche. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one more treat for you guys. Ooh, I did. I did some more scrounging. Oh man, I did a lot of scrounging. Danny, on your Facebook, I found this photo, and I'll put this up on the on the video. Oh no. Of when you first got your partnership. <laughs> this is so. This is the current. Ismahawk YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> this is when you had 1400 subscribers. 1400? 1400 and you just got your part your last video was the Assassin's Creed video. I didn't realize it was at 1400 when Assassin's Creed came out. Um and then you but your numbers are really I think was did you have the Nightwing video? That's out? all Nightwing. All this Nightwing? video right here. That's Nightwing. 225,000 views in the in the last 30 days. That's a lot in like thirty. I don't know what your numbers are like now, but like, like it varies. Yeah, well, sometimes well, I mean, it's a million. Considering, it's considering you have fourteen hundred fo- or subscribers, yeah, that's a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. I thought this was really cool, kind mm-hmm. of put into perspective of of where you guys are now. Oh, totally, um, <laughs> dude. I want to just bring that up. Yeah, 
this is before we officially decided on the name for the channel. Yeah, this was we only amazing. had two options back then. It was Ismahawk or Danny Shepard, and obviously, we <laughs> didn't want it to just be Danny Shepard. Sure. So Ismahawk yeah. is what we chose. Cool. That's crazy. That it's you also <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's also important to note, like the view count for our videos. We like for a big plan projects always reaches outside of our subscriber mm -hmm. count. That's right. important yeah, to know. Sure. Like when you're sure. starting out and when you're trying to grow a business, don't cater to just your audience. You have to cast a wide net, mm -hmm. like I said before. Mm -hmm. You know. Dang. Cool, man. Well, yeah. Kind of wrapping up. Um, I'm still waiting on you guys to make a Twitch because I would watch the fuck out of that. Dude. We're getting ready. We, <laughs> We're trying to. Uh, there's a computer upstairs right now that has it's Noel's PC. He needs an external hard drive to take all the content off the PC. He does not have a, an external hard drive. Once he gets that hard drive and he puts all that stuff on there, we're going to set that computer up as our Twitch. We have everything we need to set it up. Dude. We just need to get we just need an external to get all that stuff off of his off of his computer. You can buy one, Jeremy. <laughs> hey man. We'll get Dude, it. hard drive space is like a commodity in the film it's world. It's a commodity at, at Ismahawk. <laughs> yeah, it's like back in the days. Commodity like, anywhere. Yeah, yeah really. Sheesh. It's like back in the days you're selling salt, you're using salt as a currency. <laughs> film movie war. Hey, you want this hard drive? That'd oh, be yeah. super cool. Dude, yeah. We pick such an expensive industry it's to get into. Such an expensive oh trade. My God. But yeah, like I as you guys might know, I I've, I've been kind of kind of getting into live streaming, mm -hmm. um, yeah. getting into that business and like it's really fun, and I would like you if you guys made a Twitch, like, dude, that would be so entertaining. Like, yeah, guys, need hop on. Dude, that. you should set up live stream, like, get on our live streaming production, dude. Like, I you're will. head of live streaming production. Dude, I to head it up. I'm in. Let's do this. <laughs> Just do some live oh, switching. Man. I was actually I asked Ange yesterday morning if she can, because uh, my girlfriend's a a, a, a Twitch affiliate. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, can you help me set up OBS on my computer? Do, you know, because she already knows all the ins and outs. Sure. That way I don't have any problems. Mm -hmm. Set it up, and uh, and then I'll stream myself doing visual effects. So it's not games, Dude. but, like, show people what my yeah. process is doing visual effects. Yeah. Show you guys how much I suck at visual effects and how long and hard I have to work in order to make this <laughs> stuff look as good Dude, as it that's, does. Oh, man. I would, oh, man. I would tune into that. Yeah? And it's weird because, you know, I... I you know, I kind of get where you're coming from because, like, you have one kind of as a wider net. You're like, you have your your whole Ismahawk audience, yeah, and only really a small percentage of that is really interested in the filmmaking part. Sure, so yeah, it's really you know part of that part of that's like finding your niche. So, you know, I'm totally down to watch some of that. So hey, a little bit. Out, of everything. I was watching my friend uh, edit live stream edit uh, last night, and it's just cool because you know you get to interact yeah. with them and you also pick up things that you didn't know before, yeah. or like you wouldn't have thought of. Exactly, know? totally. I posted this little uh, test video of of uh, our friend Jan throwing a Captain America shield and it bouncing off the wall. Yeah, yeah. And someone on Twitter was like, oh, that's really cool. How do you plan on on taking out the shield? Uh, are you planning on doing this? Or are you planning on doing this? And he made a suggestion, and I was like, I did not even think about that. We're totally doing that. Yeah, and that's so, crazy, like, yeah. So getting uh, someone else's feedback mm -hmm. from Twitter actually sparked a much better and easier way mm -hmm. to do the effect. And I was like, and that wouldn't have happened if I didn't post up the work in progress. Dude, going going yeah. back up to the, the power of networking the and social media. Of, of an amazing community. So wild. On the other side of things, like I follow a lot of other visual effects artists, um, producers, directors, and stuff on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, whenever they post something, I'll be like, huh. I didn't think of that. Or, like, that's how they do it in Hollywood, so I'll scale it yeah, down to yeah, our yeah. production, yeah. you know? 
as well. Yeah. That's super People cool. who yeah. work on like that, Star Wars. And that's you know? the cool thing about live streaming editing or, you know, or even just watching someone else edit. It's just a totally different process. And sometimes you pick up on other things and then yeah. they'll pick up from you. Like mm-hmm. I did a stream with Keem uh, like last week. And yeah. um, I was telling him, oh, you know, you can do this, this X, Y, Z, blah, blah. I was like, <laughs> I, I just showed him how to use proxies for the first time. Oh, man. It's the first time he used proxies and he was scrubbing through 6,500 footage. Like, yeah. To me, I'm, I'm planning on doing a video next week. Anyways. That's about it. That's about it. Also, I want to leave off on a high note. Do we have confirmation for season two of Nightwing? Oh, oh man. Get out of here. I knew you were going to ask. You heard it here first, folks. Nightwing season two confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been something we've wanted to do for Nightwing yeah. for years, and we're hoping that we might be able to revisit it either sometime this year or maybe early next year. But we just need to get the channel in a place where we can afford to yes, do it because sure. we can't crowdfund it. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, we're we you know we're not a channel with fourteen hundred subscribers anymore. We have you know half a million. So DC sees us try to crowdfund, we're gonna get slapped with a C and D. So we have to self fund, and if the channel and our Patreon get to where we want it to to be, then you know you might see a little bit of Nightwing, a little some some, a little mm-hmm. a little some some. Yeah. That's what I like We've to had this hear. plan since, like, Nightwing Season 1 finished. We had this plan before we even shot Nightwing Season yeah. 1. Yeah, we already <laughs> knew we wanted to do this. We know what we're going to do. We just can't afford it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Well, there yeah. you go. There you go. That's what I like to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. You're going to be on it. I'll still I'll still be on the comments. <laughs> season 2. Oh, oh man. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Pictures Up, especially if you made it all the way here to the end. This was a two-hour episode. Woo! Dang. Freaking two hours, dude. Ooh, I can't count. This is... <laughs> uh, be sure to leave a uh, review on iTunes and Google Play. And as of today, we're now on Spotify. Woo! Wow. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Um, the... I'll tell me later. Yeah, I'll tell uh, you After the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. So we're on Spotify. Um, if you guys were le- to leave me a review on iTunes, what would you guys say? Sucks. No, is that a red? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'll be looking for those comments. Yeah. Where's Nightwing season two? That's what I'm going to write them in the yes. comments. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, definitely check these guys out on uh, their YouTube channel. I'll definitely uh, link them in the description and show notes. Um, it's it's so crazy the stuff that they're able to like independently produce. Um, so where can people find you on the gram? On the gram, I'm at Danny Lachep, and you can also follow uh, the channel at Ismahawk I S M A H A W K. I am at Jeremy Lee with three Y's in my name uh, for all platforms. How do you spell Lee? L-E, one E, yeah. I know some people spell it with two E's, but... Or even an I, maybe. Yeah, even an I. I've That's seen true. people spell it with a Y, too. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little exotic. That's cool. <laughs> exotic. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, swing by uh, my YouTube channel for the video version of, of this podcast and other filmmaking content. Uh, thanks again for stopping by. We'll see you in the next one. <laughs>